York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. not best of because I don't believe in best of that's worst of if uh, you're not in uh, ICU if you're not in ER you better be doing a live show that that's that's my guiding star and let's just say this uh, song was being uh, sung on the uh, bottom by Habad students right at what is the largest menorah in New York City at uh, 60th Street and 5th Avenue, opposite uh, General Sherman on the horse. Although he's been spun around a few times uh, over the years. Uh, I'll get into that later on. Uh, right in front of the Plaza Hotel. We're going up in the buckets uh, for the third time. Our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis. And the uh, scaredy cat, chicken of the sea, Sid Rosenberg, who admitted that he is terrified of heights. And that was obvious when it came uh, his turn to torch the light on the Hanukkah. Well, tonight is the final last night of Hanukkah. And as we jumpstart all of this from uh, Christmas, which is considered to be the Christmas holiday, not necessarily practiced by Jews. We'll get into that momentarily. I know right away we got a problem with Jews. Oh, can I call them Jews any longer? I was told by uh, some people, oh, you have to refer to them as Jewish people. No, to me, you always be Jews. One tough Jew, right? Why do you spell Hanukkah differently? Depending on where I go, some Jews will spell Hanukkah just with an H and others with a C. How can it be that one word is spelled two different ways? Leave it to the Jewish people because if you had 10 Jews in a room, you'd have 12 different opinions. Can anybody explain that out out there in the tri-state area and beyond because now that it is dusk, we are heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of, uh, of the frozen tundra of Europe. And most importantly, Bermuda and Bahamas, no longer a haven for the FTX creep. He's, he's with mommy in Palo Alto under house arrest. We'll get to that. Sam Coin Boy, what's now Scam Coin Boy, anyway. Right on down to Davy Jones's locker through the frigid temperatures. Can you imagine if the second night of Hanukkah, when John Katsimatidis and Sid, the scaredy cat Rosenberg, went up in the bucket, if the temperatures were like now, you want to bet that when they brought them down, they'd be solid, frozen human beings. You'd have to use the torch on them to all of a sudden. Get rid of all the ice that would be like 
just grooved into their face. By the way, it's so cold out there. Once again, the hawk is talking. I don't know if the hawk is Jewish. I don't know if he's Gentile. I have no idea, but he's talking. It is cold out there. I had the great opportunity uh, as my wife had joined me for our annual Sliwa family extravaganza on all holidays here at WABC. Did that ever since 2017, since I was uh, taken out of uh, Columbia Presbyterian after having an eight and a half hour operation for a disease I thought as a kid only affected Ashkenazi Jews. Chronic Crohn's disease, right? Iliitis, colitis. I'll never forget when I was a kid, went for my uncle Ralphie, who was a Gentile. Uh, and he had some gastronomical disorders, and he went to a specialist, and everybody in there was an Altachacha. Everybody was an Ashkenazi Jew. And they said, Ralph Bianchino, what the hell are you doing here? Well, I got Crohn's. Uh, how can you have Crohn's? It's only Jewish people who have Crohn's. It's from eating all that chulet. Beans, beans, the more you eat, the more you fart. And the more you potentially get colitis, ileitis, and chronic Crohn's disease. Now you go into the waiting room of anybody who is um, a doctor involved in gastronomical distress. You see all kinds of people who have chronic Crohn's disease, ileitis, and colitis. Oh, boy. I thought it was the curse of Hashem now spread upon us Gentiles. But anyway, on the last night of Hanukkah... Man, is the anti-Semitism kicking here in New York City, which has had more anti-Semitic attacks and acts of vandalism than almost ever before. And obviously, we'll get into one of the reasons, because the swagger man, Eric Adams, the mayor, disappeared for like three days. He decided in the middle of this, uh, what are they calling it? A cyclone frozen bomb. Maybe the storm of the century. Then all of a sudden, he was going to do the bird and go on vacation, and we tracked him down, Sal Albanese. Uh, he was the rat. He ate the Parmesan cheese, former councilman of Bay Ridge. He indicated that uh, he was in Montego Bay in Jamaica, and then I extrapolated on that, and yes, he was hanging out with Cardi B and all the other hip-hop monsters, because remember, he now has deemed himself the hip-hop mayor. We'll get into that momentarily. But let me give you a laundry list of all the anti-Semitic things uh, that have occurred here that are causing the continued exodus. We're not talking Moses and the chosen people after being lost. How come come the chosen people were lost in the desert 40 years, right? 40 freaking years, Jesus Christ, 40 days. Well, he was a Jew. How come it only took him 40 days to find his way? And it took Moses and the chosen people 40 years to work their way out of the desert to the promised land. Anyway, I digress. Here in the Upper East Side, not far from us, an ice menorah was smashed to smithereens on East 92nd Street and 2nd Avenue, right outside of Chabad Israel Center. And I'm saying to myself, the Chabad Israel Center, man, has been sort of like a, what can I call it, a pincushion for anti-Semitic attacks. I think this uh, FDNY, this firefighter called Marty uh, Party, was that his name, Marty Party? He decided uh, to take a whiz on the Sukkot hut. Obviously, half in the bag, it was like 2 in the morning. 
And then they had another problem, I think, back in October. The same thing, vandalizing the Sukkot hut. Man, this is like wherever you wherever you look now, Jews are under attack. Hey, I need my Chabad music here. Hop some, hop some till the day you die. Hey, black cats, Orthodox Jews, you're under attack. You're going to depend on the Gentiles or the NYPD or Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan? who used to be buddy-buddy with Louis Farrakhan in the 90s. Don't forget that, please. You're under attack. You, hey, you got to depend on yourselves. You yell, hop some. And then there are 400 black hats who come out with their boots, and they're not Timberland boots, and they put it in the back of anybody who's attacking Jews, vandalizing, desecrated Jewish shuls, Jewish synagogues, Jewish sukkot huts, and Jewish menorahs. By the way, I think we should uh, assign Sid Rosenberg, proud Jew that he claims he is. Although he always wanted to be uh, an Italian, right? He never wanted to be a Jew. He wanted to be born. He wanted to be born with crosses around his neck, you know, like an Italian stallion. We should assign him to Chabad, the Israeli center on the Upper East Side. This way, he can disavow the fact that he is a BLT Jew, a bacon, lettuce, and tomato Jew. I'm the man. Yeah, you're the man, all right. What the hell? Your peeps are under attack. By the way, headlines in uh, this evening's New York Post. Manhattan's trendiest neighborhoods terrorized by thieves, including the Upper East Side. Tourists and stores are getting robbed along Fifth Avenue, along the major shopping districts. And you know what they need? I need the sound of a shotgun. Please give me a sound of a shotgun. Uh, see, the Jews weren't into this. Gentiles weren't into this. Only the Irish. The Irish knew how to do this when they were the leaders of the detective squad. When all of a sudden a series of uh, jewelry stores or liquor stores would get robbed at gunpoint, they would call out the NYPD shotgun squad. And they'd go in the back room, they'd have a cup of coffee, they'd read the newspaper. Back then it was either the Daily Mirror or the Daily News. None of them read the Post in the afternoon, that was a liberal paper. They'd be reading that, smoking cigarettes, and all of a sudden the thugs would come in and say, your money or your life, and then they'd cock those shotguns. And they wouldn't even give them a chance to put their hair, hands in the air like they just didn't care and drop the guns. Yeah. Hey, 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 Why are there two different spellings of Hanukkah? I mean, it's got to be confusing for Jews. It's even more confusing for Gentiles, because if we spell it the wrong way with a C, you tell us, no, schmuck, it's with an H. Well, how the hell am I supposed to know? You spell it with a C, and then you spell it with an H. You daven, uh, you do your Torah, your Talmud. How is it you can spell this? We spell Christmas with a C, not a K, right? One way to spell it, C. Although many Jews over the years spelled it with an X, and then all of a sudden a hyphen and an M-A-S, because they didn't want to do the term Christ. How many times you would pass a retail establishment and it would not say Christ Mass, it would say X Mass. And I would say to my Aunt Mary, what the hell is an X Mass? She would say, well, these are people who do not believe in Jesus Christ. What? Are they infidels? Are they? No, no, no. They're just, they're not Christians. Oh, oh, okay. Now I get it. Yeah, they're offended by that. Well, tough noogies. 
I say to the Jewish community who has led in retail, without Christmas, your bottom line would be in the red. Because of us Gentiles, you're in the black. Am I right about that? Of course I'm right about that. Go to Macy's, famous. We're going to be talking about the miracle on 34th Street. Almost every CEO of Macy's has been a Jewish man, right? Telling me, oh, we got to eliminate Christmas. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No more Christmas. Hey, wait a second. Every time Chris Kringle, a.k.a. Santa Claus, and then they knocked off the saint out of St. Santa Claus, would sit up there, he would be referring the kids. Oh, why don't you get this present so we can make our margin? Oh, tell your parents you want this present, not that present. We got too many in stock. We got to unload this, right? So you know that whoever was pretending to be Santa Claus was actually steering parents to buy certain toys at Macy's Famous because they had too much stock. And so some executive in the rear who had bought too many of those toys like nine months in advance was pushing Santa Claus, drink the liquor, drink the vodka, enjoy yourself, just don't fondle the kids and stare them into the right retail presents to buy. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You think about it dancing around the Hanukkah tonight, freezing their tuchus off last night of Hanukkah? Of course they're not. I want to see Sid Rosenberg go up in the bucket right there at 60th Street and 5th Avenue and freeze his tuchus off on the last night of Hanukkah. So, you mean I got nobody out there who's going to explain to me why Hanukkah is spelled two different ways on this, the last night of Hanukkah? By the way, do I have my shotgun yet here? Uh, oh, Matt Blaze is here. Oh, it's the Frank Morano crew. Wait, wait, let me hear it again. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. That's the shotgun squad. They'd be in the back room, guys would come in with the ski mask, right, the 38s, your money or your life, and then the cops would come out. Damn right, they didn't ask any questions. Shoot your dead. That stopped those armed robberies real quick. And then they dragged the mucks and scales out into the street. And everybody would say, what happened to their heads? It's been severed from their body because... Bam! You want to stop grand theft, right? You want to stop? You want to stop shoplifting? You want to stop boosting? You want to stop armed robberies in stores and retail establishments? Revive the old shotgun squad. Boy, the Irish were good with that. They love loading up those Winchester. Man, they put like two two bullets in the chambers, man. Not Roxxaw. No, 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 no Roxxaw. We're talking. You came in and said your money or your life. And all of a sudden, the guy who was at retail in the counter, Sidman, uh, Sigmund, he was always a guy named Sigmund, right, would duck down and then they would go, hey, meet your maker. And again. And again. And then they drag him out and they leave him. Bleed out in the streets and all the mutts and scales would say, man, you better not pull an armed robbery. These cops don't even say, put your hands up. It's over. No, they would just say, put your hands in the air like you just don't care. Damn right. Oh, that, oh, that gives me knockers, knockers. Old school ways. 
Hey, come on, Eric Adams. He had a special uh, symposium on what to do about retail in-store theft. Hey, the old shotgun squad would stop them right in their tracks. Uh, hey, 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 hey. Are they dancing in Borough Park tonight? No, it's too cold. Are they dancing in Williamsburg tonight? No, they're freezing their tosses off. What about Crown Heights, huh? Kingston, 770 Eastern Parkway. Are they dancing, ladies and gentlemen? Of course not. The last night of Hanukkah. What a shanda. What happened to the men out there who would put three pairs of long winter underwear on it? They'd be scratching, you know, from the, from the, you know what kind of woolen underwear was. It wasn't wool. Ha <laughs> ha. 100% booster. When you had the booster, right? You'd be scratching your tuckers. Hey, 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 hey. Let's get this party moving, man. All this Christmas music was putting me to sleep. God. Hey, hey. Let me give you the crime blotter here. Swedish tourists were robbed on a subway platform early Sunday morning at 9.30 as they were having their fiskables and lutefisk on Swedish toast. Uh, the thug came up to them and said, give me everything you got, cell phones, wallets, cash, and purse. And then they said, do you want uh, Swedish toast with the fiskables and lutefisk? He said, yeah, you can keep that. Oh, they're going to go back to Sweden. They're going to go back to Gothenburg. They're going to go back to Stockholm, and they're going to say, yeah, come to New York City where you get robbed, where the only thing they leave you with is your three-piece set, Ludafis, Fiskables, and Swedish toast. Yeah, bring in the shotgun squad. Yeah, all right. Look, they took the billy clubs away. They took the nightclubs away from the cops. Let them carry shotguns, right? Sort of shotguns. Man, and I'm telling you, no rock salt, Winchester specials, ain't nobody going to be robbing in the streets of New York, right? Hey, 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 hey. They're closing down retail, right? They're out of here. Right Aid, boom, closing all the Manhattan stores. I was at the Right Aid right up near the George Washington bus terminal in Washington Heights the other day. I went in, they say, Curtis, it's like one of our last days. I said, really? You've been here forever. No more. I looked at the shelves. I said, did you already pack it all away? Didn't have to. The shoplifters came in and do us a favor. They just said, hey, trust us. We're not going to shoot and loot. We just want our Alvin bag, brag, swag bag. We're just going to take everything that you left behind. Oh, wouldn't you have loved the shotgun squad to be in that back room, cocking those shotguns and saying, hey, Dominicanos, hey, oh, Trinitarios, huh? We're going to fill you full of lead right back to Santo Domingo. Yeah, all right. Uh, where's the Shamram Society, the former Jewish cops, hey? They'd know how to do it if the Irish cops decided, yeah, but not on Christmas. We can't kill any of these mutts and scouts on Christmas. The Jewish cops would say, hey, we just read a Chinese restaurant on Christmas Eve. We'll go out there. In fact, we got to, what was that? Oh, that's right. 
the fortune cookie that said, you're going to get a mutt and scalp tonight on the shotgun squad. Oh, I wish I would have been mayor. I would have said, guys, forget the billy clubs. Forget the nightsticks. Everybody walks around with a sawed-off shotgun, right? That would end all this mishigash. You imagine all of a sudden guys come up to you. They wanted to start tackling you and fighting you, which is going on all the time. You just take out that double-barreled sawed-off shotgun. And you say, huh? You want to fight now? Now it's an unfair fight. Okay, call the morgue. That's right, wheel them away. Uh, oh, wait, touch their neck. Oh, they're still breathing. Hold on. One more for luck. Sort of an honor of Bernard Getz. Remember, it was Bernard Getz in 1984. Who could forget? There he was on that number two train, heading down from 14th Street to Chambers. And all of a sudden, there were four mutts and scales. I knew him well. Barry Allen, James Ram Sewell. Oh, he was the worst of the four. And there was uh, Troy Canty and Daryl Cavey. See how I remember their names? And what did uh, Bernard Getz, the subway gunman, do? He shot them all full of lead. Nah, he didn't have a shotgun. Don't get, don't get too happy, Matt Blaze here. You, 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 there's no doubt about it. You are a fugitive from law. You have multiple aliases. I have been begging, beseeching HR to do a thorough background check of yours. But, oh, no, the Mama Luke Frank Morano said, nah, don't I, I need Matt Blaze as my board operator because I have uh, a special ed, Ken, who couldn't make it in tonight, right, Ken? Oh, oh, I'm a runway model. Oh, you know, I have to prepare myself. Oh, Well, well be a Ken doll, right? Maybe come RuPaul, Drag Race. Just get him the hell out of here. Where's Alex, right, the brown-nosed producer who's got his tuchus all... No, he's got his nose all the way up to tuchus to Frank. Oh, and this is what Frank Morano tells me. Could you please tell everybody... And I will not be doing the show in the morning, 1 to 5, the other side of midnight. Instead, I've been asked to do the morning show, replacing Sid Rosenberg from 6 to 10. Let me tell you something. Yes, that is correct. I've been doing this 35 years. You don't ever give up your own show. If anything, you do both shows, right? If you give up your own show, you may never get it back. Because remember the story. How many times do I? Oh, that's right. The Jews say, we don't, we don't believe in baseball. You know, sorry. We don't. Stop the music. Stop the music. Enough of that. Stop. Oh, God. They're not even out there dancing the horror. It's too cold for them, huh? Is it too cold for Hashem? The last night of... of, 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 of uh, how do you spell it again? Hanukkah with a C or an H? How come you're not outside dancing the horror? Too cold? Does Hashem give you the night off? You know, the last night of Hanukkah? Of course he has not. But everybody, all the hawk is talking. You see, that's all of a sudden. Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Gentiles, tree huggers, atheists, people who kiss stones. You know, all of a sudden they're huddling inside. Oh, my God, it's so cold out there. So cold out there. And I'm taking you the rest of the way. Live and local. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And boy, I had uh, my bubble busted uh, earlier today. As we were giving the 18 rescue cats their Christmas presents. I'll get into that momentarily. Nancy put on the March of the Wooden Soldiers. And she said, you know what they're saying it is now? 
saying it's anti-Semitic and it's anti-black. I said, what are you talking about? I've seen that like 50,000 times with fat and skinny, better known as Laurel and Hardy. What do you, what do you mean it's anti-Semitic? What do you mean it's anti-black? Oh, yeah, Curtis. Look, there's volumes written. I said, no, no. So you're going to turn it on. Please find it for me. I got to see this. What are they claiming? It's anti-Semitic and it's anti-black. All I know is there were a lot of toys, a lot of people running around. Walt Disney had donated uh, Mickey Mouse uh, to the uh, movie Hal Roach before there was even Mickey Mouse. Or the three little piggies. Uh, Walt Disney, right? Hey, he's an anti-Semite. I know he dropped LSD. I know. Oh, yeah. Long before the CIA was experimenting with LSD. Walt Disney, proud man from the Midwest, was having shrooms. How do you think he came up with those characters? Think of that. Anyway, we'll get into all of that. I need to deal with this issue of the spelling of Hanukkah. You could have, again, 10 Jews in a room, and they would come up with 12 different explanations and opinions. Let's try Lorena in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here as the hawk is talking here at WABC, Lorena. Good afternoon. Uh, good, good, <laughs> good evening. A uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holy Days. Well, thank you, Lorena. But please, uh, I, I, I'm in this dilemma. Uh, yes. Why would you spell Hanukkah two different ways? Well, a Jewish doctor I had years ago, I asked her the same thing. And she explained it to me in a way I could understand. She said, Maybe it's the way it's the CH is for the sound. The you mean the there you go. Like when I would say when he was alive, Noah. My my mother got older, right? Uh, uh, And and they the mucus, you know. She would say oyster stew, you know, make a joke, and I'd laugh, and that's the yeah. But wait a second, Lorena, oysters are trafe. No, that's mama. That's different. Oh, okay. That's different. All right. That was just her joke. But um, she, this doctor was not Hasidic, but uh, they, it was a Jewish um, outfit. Now, uh, let me ask you a question, Lorena. I want you to listen. Listen intently. This was recently Kanye West talking about his doctor. The thing about the red hat that drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor, and what hospital, and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. Could that have been a Jewish doctor at Maimonides? Could that have been a Jewish doctor at Maimonides, Lorena? I, I, I'm here. How would I know? I don't know. Oh, well, you should know. Hashem would know. Let's go to John, the cop in Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Hey, Curtis. How you doing? 14 years I spent in the 7-5. Your old neighborhood. Ooh, biggest precinct in the city, East New York. Oh, yeah. And and uh, for a year, 93, I was assigned to the Queens uh, Detective Bureau. And I was at their headquarters there in the 112 precinct. Sure. And it was a whole closet, a whole closet full of old, dusty, Double-barrel shotguns from the shotgun squad you were talking about. All double barrels and little short shotguns, you know? John, they would have problems with uh, robberies, uh, armed robberies in liquor stores, jewelry stores, grocery stores, and they would dispatch the shotgun squad 
and they get the, the first one or two guys coming through the door. It was over. They drag him out into the street. Every mutt, every scale spread the word. The shotgun squad is out. And they were using buckshot. They used that buckshot. And uh, that even though it in like uh, businesses, like, uh, the, you know, where they had safes and stuff. That, but but that, can, that, can you imagine, John, they had a, a symposium about how we're going to stop shoplifting and boosting and all this retail theft. If they had invited me, I would have said, hey, dust off those shotguns. Oh, it, it worked then, John, or it worked now, right? Low buck, you know, you hear that thing clicking, click, click. That's uh, a message right there. And then you, you tell every retail guy and gal, you give them a sawed-off baseball bat, Louisville Slugger, and you say, when they come in that door, just hit them in the, in the kneecaps first. They go down. They can't run. So then the cops, when they come, you could just say, you'll see a guy hobbling up the block. You'll know that's the guy to try to rob you. Not in the head. Hit him in the kneecaps. They won't be able to run away. Yeah, they won't be able to run for the rest of their lives. Oh, man, John the Cop, they should, they should let me give instructions to retail how to do it. A Louisville slugger. Either a Rocky Calavito signed, Joe DiMaggio signed, you know, nice oak. And then... Hit him in the kneecaps. Don't try to hit him in the head. They will run away, and a block away, they won't be able to run anymore, and the cops will be able to collar them right there. Now, doesn't mean the DAs are going to do anything, but at least they'll have a cast on. You know, be hobbling around with a cast, and they'll say, yo, where'd you get that cast from? Yo, man, don't go into that bodega, man. I got hit with a baseball bat in my knee, brushed in my knee, man. Now I'm never going to have an NBA or a NFL career. Sure, you would have an NBA or an NFL career. Hey, it's a hell of a lot better getting hit with a Louisville slugger in your kneecap, making your kneecap sing and ring like a slot machine in Atlantic City, rather than all of a sudden the shotgun squad, right? At least you're alive. My number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The Guardian Angels. A group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Yeah, say a little prayer for you thugs and thuggets out there. Mutts and skells who are pulling robberies as we speak of citizens, of tourists, and guys and gals trying to make money in retail. I would say, uh, say a prayer because I'm going to blast you into the hereafter. Thank you. One less thug, one less thugette. See, why do we have to reinvent the wheel here, right? We have to have a symposium. We're bringing together some of the uh, public safety experts in the city, uh, you know, political science experts and men and women involved in retail because we don't know how to stop the shoplifting, the boosting. 
and the robberies, armed robberies of tourists and shoppers and the men and women who have to man the counters of these retail establishments. Aretha, in your own words, I'm going to say a little prayer for you after we let you meet your maker. It will stop all this Michigash quick. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And because this is the uh, last night of Hanukkah, eight nights, and I already got shook down by my youngest son. Enough of Aretha, please, please. Reminds me of Detroit, which is like the epicenter of uh, where anti-Semitism emerged. There was Henry Ford, right? He invented the Model T right in Highland Park, a city within the city, one square mile, virulent anti-Semite. It was Father Coughlin uh, with the... um, the parish right outside of Detroit, Little Flower Parish, national broadcast, virulent anti-Semite. And this is where Elijah Muhammad, on the assembly line, I think of a GM plan, I'm not sure, who created the Nation of Islam, virulent anti-Semites. It all came out of Detroit. Now let me say out there, one day there was a young man named Sid Rosenberg. He was a bit confused. Could I have my Chabad music again? Keep it low here, Matt, please. I'm remembering a little boy named Sid Rosenberg. His parents, unfortunately, sent him to poly prep day school with a lot of rich Italian kids, Gentiles. And then they realized later on in his life they had to transfer him to Solomon Schechter if they wanted one tough Jew because he always wanted to be an Italian. He didn't want to be a Jew. And I'm wondering to myself, as he wandered the streets of Dyker Heights especially, and he saw all those Christmas lights, how come there were no festival of lights for him? And in honor of Sid Rosenberg's mother, who has kept that tradition alive, not Sid, he's a BLT Jew, he, he would convert to be a supreme cuisine in a heartbeat. In fact, he talks about all the times he goes to St. Patrick's Cathedral, it's like that scene out of when um, Pacino, remember, in Devil's Advocate, puts his finger in the holy water bowl and it <laughs> boils. That's what will happen if Sid does that. How about a mensch on a bench? How about we create a mensch on a bench with inflatable menorahs, dreidels, a dazzling array of blue and white lights to compete with all the Gentiles in Dyker Heights? Huh? What do you think? What do you think? Mensch on a bench. Let me hear it, Habad. Hey, 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 hey. I mean, why? Why should Hanukkah, spelled two different ways, be a second-rate holiday, right? Isn't there a Hanukkah ferry? You could create a Hanukkah ferry. Uh, no, no. Not... Not referring to their gender or sexuality, please. There's 72 different ways we have to refer now. But it should be a Hanukkah fairy, right? Is that politically correct? But I think a mensch on a bench next year. Borough Park should have the mensch on the bench with the blue and white lights, with the inflatable menorahs, the dreidels, competing against the supreme cuisines that drain the Con Ed grid. Every Christmas, with every conceivable light in Dyker Heights on. In fact, Con Ed had to give the warning out, not because the temperatures had plummeted, but because the Supreme Cuisines had every light of the Christmas lights on in Dyker Heights. Turn them off! Oh, we can't do that. This is traditional. 
You know, this is when we rule. You come in our neighborhood. We rule RC. Real Christians, Roman Catholics. You don't see the Protestants or the Wasps doing it. No, no, no. Oh, that's, that's, that's so ostentatious. They're wearing all their, their crosses around their neck and gold. They have all those like, no, we don't do that. We Wasps. In fact, we sat down to have our Christmas meal. You had one slice of roast beef with asparagus tips and the green mold jello. Yeah, I'd be. I'd seen the Methodist and Presbyterian. Isn't that what Frank Morano claims he is now, right, a Methodist? He left the Catholic faith, and he left the Anglican, uh, what the hell was he, Church of England. Now he claims he's a Methodist like uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton and Bush 43. You ever see him, they get a little, a little thin slice of roast beef, asparagus tips, the green moldy jello, right? And then don't ask for extras. Oh, no. We have to be very frugal. In life, you must be very reserved. You cannot be ostentatious. Well, what about that uh, $500,000 Rolls Royce you have outside? That's different. That's a status symbol. But we want to show, just like the pilgrims and the Puritans who originally came over from England for religious freedom, sparse. Well, you mean you're cheap. No, no, we're frugal. It's part of our religious practice. You know, it's those Jews and Italians say... They give you food to take home, right? The Italian grandmothers, the Jewish grandmothers, hey, manja, manja, here, more food. Not as Presbyterians and Methodists. What you see on the plate is what you get, and don't ask for seconds. I will never go to a Christmas dinner or Methodist or Presbyterian household. It's like, could I, could I have one more asparagus tip? Nope. Nope, sorry. You know, it's not the way it used to be. We got to go back to the old. Well, why do you have the $500,000 Rolls Royce out? Status. You live on Park Avenue, not in Brooklyn, not in the Bronx. Status. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Can any of you um, mainline Protestants? As, yeah, Episcopalians too. The wannabe Catholics. Episcopal, not so much Episcopalians. But the Presbyterians and Methodists. Why, when you have a Christmas meal... Is there one slice of roast beef so thin I can see through to the other side? A few asparagus tips and then the green moldy jello, and that's it. No bread, nothing. And then, see, I'm, I'm still hungry. Can I have any seconds? Absolutely not. We're not ostentatious like those Roman Catholics and those Jews. God, they eat, they eat. That's all they do, eat, eat, nosh, nosh. We don't nosh. We know our place in society. But why do you have that $500,000 Rolls Royce status? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tommy in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Curtis, you're cracking me up tonight. Uh, I got some friends of mine that were uh, Vietnam combat Marines, and uh, they worked at 7775. Uh, some of them went to the 71. I had one guy. He had. Uh, he went to the seven zero. They had, and the uh, the shotgun squad. They they were calling it a stakeout squad. And what they were doing, uh, the the double barrel shotgun actually cocks when you break it open and put two rounds into the chamber and you close it. It's already cocked. That was getting too dangerous. They ended up going to pump shotguns like Winchester ninety sevens, and they had double O buck. 
uh, that's a 36 caliber ball. It was like nine nine pellets in each shell, and that's what they were using. So they were using the uh, the pump shotguns, and when you hear that click click, that's actually the pump working itself, racking around up into the chamber. So that's uh, there's a little bit of the confusion back there. Uh, Tommy, 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 I got to tell you, that's like music to my ears. The pump of that shotgun, the click click. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, Tommy. And the word we get out in the neighborhood, Tommy, all the mugs, all the thugs back then, whether they were Italian, Puerto Rican, black, Irish, it didn't matter. They knew the shotgun squad was out there. Right, Tommy? Absolutely, man. No no doubt about it. No doubt about it. They got a couple of DOAs on the sidewalk. Hey, listen, look what they're trying to be slick. They're trying to rip these people off. This is what you're going to get. Don't come back over here. I, I remember, out real fast. I remember, and I was a little boy at the time, uh, New Lots, Cleveland, East New York, one I, side Italians, uh, the other side was Puerto Rican, some black. And some Italian guys tried to hold up this uh, liquor store. And there was a shotgun squad uh, in the back from the 7-5 precinct. They had been smoking these... Uh, what was it? The L&M's at that time. Remember L&M's, man? Lucky Strikes, Not maybe. Right. Yeah. And they were reading the Daily Mirror, the Daily News, and they came out, and the Italian guys were acting tough, you know, like they had the ski masks on, they had the 38s. <laughs> and they didn't even tell them, put your hands up. They just cocked those shotguns, and they blasted them right out the door and right out the front window. We, we passed by. We looked at them as they were bleeding out. And my cousin, I'll never forget, his cousin, uh, let's see, Joe, uh, Joey, yeah. Said, Man, you never want to do that, Curtis. Look at what happens to you. I said, yeah, I, I don't think I do. That was a perfect yeah. way of getting the word out. And what, 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 what was anybody going to do? They, they said, hey, you went in there, you took a risk, you know what the risk is. You try to steal from somebody, and they may get you before you get them. Right, Tommy? That, that was the rule of the streets. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Now, though, oh, we got to figure out why. What emotionally motivated them to want to go into that liquor store with a thirty-eight and put it to the clerk's head who had an X-lax attack? The poor clerk behind, oh, he's having an x And they enjoy It's like clockwork orange. And then they pistol whip him. Right, Tommy? Right. Oh, God, Tommy, those were the days. It's better than sex. God, just thinking about that. And then they drag them right out on the pavement. It was so good. They bleed out right there. Everybody would call them. Oh, man, you don't want to rob. Look at what happened, son. You know, forget Bronx Tale. You know how De Niro had that with Chaz Palminteri, right? You know, the baseball bats in the bar. No, 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 no. That was mild stuff. That was meek and mild Compared to the Irish comps from the shotgun squad, big guys, normally like 6'8", you know, they had played football in the CHSL, you know, some Catholic high school league, uh, or maybe they played center on their basketball team, and they had a trigger finger, man, they had an itchy finger, they just wanted to shoot, I can't say the word, it will be knocked off the air, it begins with an S and it ends with a T, because that's what they were. When they walk in and they try to rob you. Stop this nonsense. Well, we got to understand. Oh, you know, uh, maybe they're dyslexic. Oh, what do you mean dyslexic? I'll tell you this much. If they're dyslexic, they can see that bully coming to them, right? Oh, yeah, they got no problem with that. 
It worked. Let's go to George in Mount Sinai. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. How you doing, Curtis? It's George, the court clerk. Happy holiday. Oh, George, my friend, the court clerk. He tells everything that he shouldn't, but he ends up telling it anyway. Uh, I'll tell you. No, this isn't. Years and years ago, Sunday morning in 100 Center Street, the arraignment part, which you're familiar with, I used to dread when the TPS would come in, the tactical police squad. They were all big guys would go out on a bus, and they would, you know, when they get off the bus, people would run. They were big, tough guys, and there were two females, stretch one and stretch two. They were worse than the men in beating people up. Stretch one was a redhead with freckles, and stretch two, in those days, you'd howl at the, at the moon if you saw her. She was a black goddess. They would come, he'd come in the front door, and he didn't want to wait to go around to the side, to the pen, where the door was. Do you go in the back to bring the prisoners? He'd want to come through the front of the courtroom and take him through the back. The corrections. I was afraid of this guy. He could have been in central casting from a SS officer. And he goes, listen, if I march these people through, all the mutts will see them and he'll know not to fool with us. So he used to march him in. Everyone had the CR kicked out of him, beat up, and the corrections officer would go, oh, boy, here I go again. Medical attention. That's when they ran the, street, ran the streets the way it should be. I, I shouldn't say it should be. There were some abuses, no question, uh, no question about it. But the people of the city have to make up their mind. Do they want to save I, street? I, I, I must tell you, I must tell you, George, that that second woman you described, the oh, African-American the goddess, if I remember, oh. I may have seen her once. She oh. looked like Foxy Brown, Pam Greer. I mean, she was, oh, my God. You said, I can't believe a woman like that is a police officer. Curtis, she told me, you know, she told if I catch you peeking at my butt again when I turn around, I'm going to come back here and put a beating on you. And by the way, you couldn't handle me. (laughs) That's true. If you ever saw Pam Greer in Foxy Brown, that was the toughest sister around. Right. Did you ever? Did you ever deal with? I'm. Sh- I don't know if you ever gotten beat by them. Maybe oh. you've gotten wooden shampoos. Oh they would hit God! You, they would hit you in the head. Tactical. Was it tactical patrol force? Uh, yeah. They would gather. OPS. They would gather in the parking lot of Shea Stadium. You know when there was uh, what John Lindsay called disruptions, which were really riots. Right. Right in East New York and Brownsville, along Pitkin Avenue and Rockaway Parkway. So I'm there. I'm a kid. Right. The 75th Precinct was not where it is now. It was up by East New York Avenue, Rockaway, you know, uh, where Crown Heights would meet East New York. And they didn't have those cops to deal with. They brought in the tactical patrol force on the buses. They called them hats and bats. They had on the helmets, and they had the long sticks. And I yeah. mean, they would reach out. You could be 10 feet away from them, and they'd somehow hit you. They were tough. They were a tough group. Every there was no five foot one cops. They were at least six foot or better. Mostly Irish. I hate to say it in German or whatever they were. There's something else I want to talk to get your opinion of something. Yes, yes. I know and you know that Al Sharpton has been kept out of jail because he eats the cheese. I saw him a number of times at the courthouse talking to an undercover FBI agent. So he's been he's been talking for years. That's how he stays out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. George, George let, me, let me tell you, back when there were only landlines and you'd have a home phone or a phone in your place of business, he was right. living in Brooklyn, not paying his rent, typical. And then when the landlord would take him to tenant landlord court, he would claim, oh, my complexion is my protection. 
but he got jammed up with uh, Don King. Remember, isn't it great to be yeah. an American? He was taking money on the side from Gambinos, and it was alleged that he was involved in transporting cocaine, and the FBI busted him, and then they wired him up like a Christmas tree, wired up his home phone. And all these, quote, civil rights leaders from the really big guys like uh, Jesse Jackson and the more small fry would call him up, and they'd be on tape. And for years, they wondered, how the hell did the FBI have us on tape? Because they were calling out Slim Shady Sharpton, who gave up the uh, the messages, the calls, so that he wouldn't have to be locked up. He's been playing the game with them for years. I don't want to even choose the guy. I don't like him. We've talked about Junior before, right? You know, uh, the Murano's best friend there at his wedding. I don't know. I'm not accusing him. I'm not sure. But I just have a suspicion, just a suspicion. He's been, they know he has a load of money. Do you think possibly the cops use him for information? Oh, That's sure. why he's been able to avoid getting into trouble again and being locked up again. Oh, sure. His father, John Gaddy Sr., stole lots of property from guys who basically he killed them and then stole their property. Right. Uh, then it went over to uh, the daughter, Victoria Jr., and it went over to uh, John Jr. So right now... He's a landlord who co- collects rent. Now, can you imagine? He sends his thugs out to collect rent. And they show up and they say, hey, Johnny Boy says you're late with your rent. Now, right away, you know these guys are going to bend your leg and stuff it in your pocket so you find a way to pay him. And then he lives in Oyster Bay Cove, which is the most exclusive part of the North Shore along the Long Island Sound. And he pleads poverty. And on occasion, Frank Morano's been seen going over there and smoking Cohibas with him and all of his Gambino pals. Uh, one last thing. I don't want to hog the line. No, no, you can, hog, you can be a Hazarai. You can be a Hazarai. Go ahead, yeah. George. The guy who shot you, who just got out of jail, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you never talk about whatever happened. I don't remember anymore. Whatever happened to the driver and the other person? Wasn't there three people in the car? Yeah, oh, no, two. no, it was two. The driver who became uh, a uh, a witness who gave the same story as I did. I think he did about a year, year and a half. He's got some kind of pizza parlor down in Staten Island. I will never go there. You know, if 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 my life depended on eating a last slice, I would never get it from him. And then the guy who shot me and went to jail for 20 years, Michael Leonardi, is out. He's probably taking target practice somewhere because, hey, Mike, they told you, don't shoot Slew in the head. The Carrazzo said, you don't shoot him in the head. He's going to avoid it. So what did Michael Leonardi do? The hitman? He tried to shoot me in the head. First bullet went right through the back window. Then he started to film me full of uh, hollow point bullets. See, that's how it went down, George. I don't want to say you should do this because I think you're fighting. You know, you're, you're going to be 68. Happy birthday and all. No, I'm going to be. I'm going to be 69, George. Oh. I'm going to be 69. Hey, don't take one year away from me, pal. New York's talk station with the King of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Reports are coming to me from Kew Gardens Hills, Regal Park. Nobody out there dancing, no Chabad dancing. The last night of Hanukkah, the eighth night. Nobody in Crown Heights, nobody in Borough Park, Midwood, Flatbush. Up in Riverdale, nothing. Upper East Side, where they've just desecrated the menorah, nothing. Upper West Side, nothing. All the Chabad houses. Hey, 
What are you afraid of the cold? The hawk is talking. Don't worry about it. Put on three pairs of uh, Vusta, 100% Vusta long winter underwear. You'll be scratching your tuchus. Anyway, let's go to Suzanne. Uh, your turn to be heard here on this uh, Arctic uh, cyclone, uh, Suzanne. Hi, hi, Curtis. I, I just wanted to say that, you know, your, your bit before with the shotguns and the Chabad music, and I, I just felt it was absolutely brilliant radio. I think it was classic. I, I really do. I want to I capture it. I want to have it. It was absolutely so right on. I was laughing, but I was crying because it's so frustrating what's going on, but you nailed it. It was it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And then the other part about Hanukkah, Hanukkah, HC, what it is, it's it doesn't matter because it's just uh, a transliteration. You know, there's no such thing as a proper spelling. You could spell it any way you well, want. Because- well, the reason I ask that, Suzanne, is uh, having gone to Catholic school early on, Sister Ruth said to me, if you write down Christopher Columbus discovered the New World and not St. Brendan the Navigator because she was a Josephite Irish nun. You will fail. And I had to put down St. Brendan the Navigator. You see, there were two ways there also. Okay. One was right, one was wrong. If I didn't put down St. Brendan the Navigator, she would hit me with that three-foot ruler. My mother would have felt the vibrations. Oh, my God. Well, I I, I won't hear you, but it was, uh, you know... We're all so frustrated. I mean, I, I can't believe that you're not mayor. I voted for you. I tried to get so many people to vote for you. I, uh, you would have you would have well, cleaned it up. Well, well it Su- Suzanne, we're going to be talking about the vacationing uh, uh, swagger man with no plan. Eric Adams uh, was gone for three days. He's un- it's, un- it's, it's just it's unbelievable. I mean, and and I, I enjoy listening to you, but I have to tell you, sometimes it's too painful because you rip open the truth in a way that nobody else does. And uh, sometimes I just have to turn it off. I can't hear it anymore. Uh, no, so never, 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 never turn it I off, don't. Suzanne. In fact, get Suzanne's information. We're going to send her a link of this hour. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. To me, this is a passion. I don't just come in here and repeat like so many others. Oh, Joe Biden sucks. Uh, Trump has fallen from his horse, and oh yeah, de-sanctimonious, he's a great guy. I don't do that kind of talk radio. If they wanted that, they could get somebody to do that. They all, they're like parrots. Uh, the same thing. Me? It's got to be creative. It's got to be theater of the mind. It's got to connect the old with the new. That's what I do. We're going to make sure that Susan, uh, they get some link there. Because, um... I can even do better than that. You see, every hour has to be better than the last hour. And wait till you hear the next hour featuring Chef Eric Adams, who's back. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Could you believe, ladies and gentlemen, that this mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, decided in advance of the uh, the weather forecasters who were spot on in predicting that this, what are they calling it, an atomic cyclone, uh, tsunami, 
Arctic storm, worse than our lifetime, would be hitting. And he did the bird. He did the bird. Before we get into all of that, uh, boy, you know, Frank Morano, what a nudge this guy is. What, what, what is he? Got low self-esteem. He writes here, if possible, please mention that I'm subbing for Sid tomorrow morning. Did I not already do that in the 9 o'clock hour? Does he not understand that I do that? Although I give it and I take it. That is a mistake. You could have done both. Your show, 1 to 5, that's your turf, your territory. Don't let anybody on it because you may not get it back. To do somebody else's show, you could have done both. In between shows, you could have been sleeping, right? And then go do that. Don't ever give up your turf. I tell everybody in radio, your turf is your turf. That is your primary responsibility. You give that up, you may not get it back. And as you can see, I'm on a rampage. I'm taking all kinds of talk territory. And you know that uh, Chris Libertini, so-called imaging director, he'll be lucky if he could get through the crowd that will be outside when he returns to work with pitchforks and torches for eliminating me six hours from 12 midnight Sunday to 6 in the morning to break it dawn. Am I right? Uh, come on, and Matt Blaze. Even the Frank Morano fans and foes, right, that Facebook lit up. It did. And, and many of them don't normally like me, but said, how come Curtis is not on? This is horrible. Right or wrong? They did. They want. They wanted something a uh, lot. They wanted you. Right. And even though they didn't have their favorite Frank... I, I was sloppy seconds. Right. They will, that's right. They'll settle for you. Right. They, they'll, they'll, take, they'll take you over Libertine. But that was the lamest six hours. I mean, I had one woman call up this afternoon when Nancy was here for our Sliwa family uh, holiday extravaganza. We do that for every holiday now for the people who are shut in, who are alone, you know, whether it's Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, Easter. And the woman said... I went to Midnight Mass. I came back. I expected to hear you. I heard this this, this show that was not synonymous with WABC. I put on the burning of the Yule Log on TV. She goes, and I would never do that. That tells you everything, right? Like, what do you think? She had the burning of the Yule Log on on Channel 11 going all night long because they're cheapskates over there. Uh, and then she had the radio on. No, she went click. Never again. I will go to war. Owners and operators who were unaware of this. This was a decision by the imaging director, Chris Libertini, who, FM Bedshed, grew up listening to Z100. What the hell would he know about AM radio? What did he know? And then he tells me when I confronted him, I said, Chris, you're taking six hours from me? He goes, yeah, well, the children want to be able to listen to something, you know, when they're, they're, they're waiting for Santa Claus. I said, schmuck, putz. Children do not listen to WABC unless they are strapped in the back of the car with the safety belts on, right, with their seat belts, or they jump out if they heard WABC because they don't want WABC. It's required listening then because mommy or daddy are up front or grandpa or grandma. God, this guy has no idea. He was I'm imaging director of what? Ugats, Bupkis. Oh, they, all the people calling me, blowing up my phone. The emails, the texts, what happened? Hopefully you didn't, they didn't finally kill you. 
the caddies didn't get me this. People thought, I, they know the only reason Curtis wouldn't be here is if I was dead, if I was room temperature. And even the Frank Morano Facebook, which normally is very critical of me because I'm critical of Frank and Matt Blaze, uh, who is definitely a fugitive from law. And Alex is nighttime producer who is the biggest brown nose I've ever known. He's got his schnoz right up Frank's tuchus. And Ken, the runway model, who couldn't find his way here tonight. <sighs> I-, I was surprised. So I'm going to read this again. If possible, please mention that I'm subbing for Sid tomorrow morning from 6 to 10. And I thought I'm on 7.05 every Monday morning and 7.05 every Friday morning. What am I, a piece of liverwish? Uh, rule number one, I've been doing this 35 years, never give up your turf. You give up your turf in radio, you may not have your turf to come back. It's like all of a sudden you take the rug off your head and it blows away and this kind of Arctic chill, you may you may have to walk around like a baldy, like a Boston baldy. But anyway, let's get right down to it. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. I knew something was awry on Thursday night. Six o'clock, you know, they had that brand new Staten Island Ferry that I think they just christened in July. Brand new. And they have a boiler room fire, right? 600 passengers on it, lower Manhattan, going to the North Shore, you know, uh, Staten Island Borough Hall. And it catches fire, and they're all in life preserver vests and getting into the rowboats. And I knew he probably wasn't around because, you know, that's photo op time. He would put on, you know, a life preserver and he'd be rowing one of the rowboats. See, I'm Eric Adams. I'm here. No, not a sight of the mayor. And I said to myself, gee whiz, it's a little early for Club Zero Bond. He normally gets there at about 12 midnight. That was 6 o'clock at night. Then we find out from his crackerjack uh, city hall team that's taken the code of Omerta that he was going away for like two and a half days. He'd be back Saturday night. And I knew he'd be back because he wanted to be sitting there in that first pew, you know, for Cardinal O'Connor, who's getting all the money from the city for Catholic charities to bring in the illegal aliens. We'll talk about that later on. And there he was sitting there, and the reporter said, Hey, where you been? And he goes, None of your business. None of your business. And so Sal Albanese, who used to be the city councilman in Bay Ridge, ran for mayor. In fact, I was the Reform Party chairman at that time. We gave him the line, and he battled uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. The second time he ran, uh, he uh, tweeted out, oh, the mayor's in Jamaica, and we're not talking Jamaica, Queens. And so then all of a sudden, Sal Albanese went quiet. You know, you could see he got blowback. And then I did a deeper dive, and apparently he was in Montego Bay. Cardi B was there a few days earlier with all the hip-hop monsters. And you know now, Eric Adams calls himself the hip-hop mayor. And I believe he was partying away while everybody here was freezing their tuchus off. Like, even his best friend now, Sid Rosenberg, was underwater in the Rockaways, Broad Channel, Howard Beach. And I, what did I tell Sid Friday morning? His son was right here, and he, his son agreed with me. You better get a generator on the way home, a pump, and a buzzsaw, because that's what happens when there's just a strong gust of wind out in the Rockaways. Oh, I don't need that. Then later on, he texts me. Oh, man, you're right. Everything's underwater here. No mayor. Abandoned ship. Wow. So what did he do once he got back, right? After he went to Mass, 
And, you know, if Eric Adams had put his finger in the holy water bowl, uh, bowl uh, that too would have been like devil's advocate with Al Pacino, you know, where the, his, his finger would have lit up the, uh, the holy uh, water and it would have been boiling. Just a few hours ago, this is what he posts. How to make stuffing like he's a chef. Now, he ran against me to be mayor. We never thought he would be chef. And on a day when people were freezing in New York, we have the problem of the illegal aliens still coming in by bus to the Port Authority, the homeless. Uh, I saw massive numbers of them on the E-train trying to keep warm. He was actually conducting a cooking scenario from Gracie Mansion. By the way, he's never at Gracie Mansion. He doesn't sleep there. I know. We've tailed him. He's so easy to tail. He stops right out across the street from the United Nations building. It's a 90-story building. It's the Trump Tower there. And he goes in there for the night. Who he's hanging out with? You figure it out. Knock yourself out. I know. And soon I'm going to let the whole world know. Because he's not staying at Gracie Mansion. Hey, Eric Adams, if you're not going to stay at Gracie Mansion, put some homeless people in there. Maybe the illegal aliens you keep welcoming in. So this was... Oh, my God. He's actually with a female chef. I don't know, Eric Adams. This is sort of like a wet dream for him. He wants to be either Gordon Ramsay or, let me see, Guy Fieri, right? Bobby Flay. Let's see if I get this right. Maybe Rachel Ray, if he decides he's non-binary. Wolfgang Puck. Uh, Emeril Lagazzi. I remember meeting Emeril Lagazzi in New Orleans uh, with a guardian angel. I thought he was from Brooklyn. I had no idea he was from New Orleans because a lot of the Irish who went there to build the levees came from Brooklyn. And a lot of the language in New Orleans, a lot of the accents, you would think it's Brooklynese. Really, uh, straightened out. I'm trying to think of a black chef. Oh, Brooklyn Heights. I remember I walked into the restaurant. It said Michelin uh, star, Charlie Mitchell. And I thought... Uh, Matt Blaze, I thought, oh, Charlie Mitchell, the former flanker for the Washington Redskins with Sonny Jurgensen when he was the quarterback. Wow, he's got his own restaurant. And I walked in and they said, no, that's not the same Charlie Mitchell. Uh, but you saw his picture up there. I guess he wasn't there. African-American. Oh, man, the place was packed in Brooklyn Heights. So maybe he wants to be a Charlie Mitchell because he doesn't want to be like crackers. No, he hates crackers. <sighs> Maybe he wants to be like Rachel Ray, you know. Well, what the hell? I mean, why doesn't he just be the mayor, right? <laughs> you want to be a chef. Uh, you got two crooked friends there who have that restaurant, two felons that you hang out with all the time. You get free meals uh, on the west side near Times Square. The Petrosians. Why don't you just go in a partnership with them? But anyway, this was his instructions on how to get... The stuffing that now this is after Christmas, right? Like you say, shouldn't this been up there before Christmas? Ooh, welcome to What's Cooking NYC. This is uh, the home of Gracie Mansion, right in my kitchen. I'm going to learn vegan stuffing. We have an amazing chef, and we're going to get stuffing done. This is like five hours ago. You look on his uh, Twitter thread. He's got a, a female. She looks like a Asian, maybe Chinese uh, chef. But he's teaching everybody how to make stuffing. Well, what is that? Stovetop stuffing, rice neroni, the San Francisco treat. Low budget, right? 
Hey, let me tell you something, Eric Adams. You know, you know Julia Childs. Remember Julia Childs? I mean, this woman was the best on PBS, always half in the bag. She could speak French. She could speak English. She was the best. And for the night of the seven sea, uh, the, the night of the seven fishes, and I was denied an opportunity to do my normal show, the night of the seven fishes, the Italian-American tradition, because Chris Libertini knocked me off for six hours. I'll get you, you dirty SOB, if it's the last thing I do. And then I clawed back an hour. Hey, Matt Blaze, I was on that morning with the Long Island Report with, with Judge Weinberg, so I took back one. Here was Julia Childs preparing our friend, she called him, the lobster for the night of the seven fishes. Here is our friend, the lobster. He's going to star in Omar à l'Américain, one of the most famous French lobsters today on The French Chef. French chef. Now, who do you think would be the chef that you would want preparing your meal? Eric Adams, the swagger man. Now we call him out-of-town Adams. Or if she were alive today, half in the bag, Julia Childs. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then here's Eric Adams reminiscing, as he always does, about his mother, no longer here with us. And how he loves her apple pie. Probably my favorite is this apple pie my mom used to make. It's one of one of the favorite times of the year. It's so special. Yeah, it was. It was. So now he's making apple pie there, but it's really the Asian chef who's making the apple pie. And then here's Julia Childs talking about the lovely sauce. She's making. It's a very thick sauce, and now we want to taste it very carefully for seasoning. This really is a lovely sauce. Lovely sauce. Yes, Julia Childs. Our number is 1 800 848 And there's, here's Eric Adams, who should be running around all five boroughs since he was away for three days. On a vacation, he won't tell us where he was. Uh, giving us the healthy stuffing finale. Healthy stuffing for you and your family. We got stuffing done. Enjoy. Plant-based. When are they going to have stuffing? Stuffing was for Christmas, the day, right? He's giving these instructions Late in the day on Christmas, because he was away for three days on vacation to Montego Bay in Jamaica and won't tell anybody. So Albanese had to rat him out. Now all of a sudden he's taking the coat of Omerta. He's no longer eating the Parmesan cheese. Come on, Sal. You know exactly where he was. I did the deep dive. Montego Bay with uh, Cardi B and the other hip-hop monster rappers because he's claiming he's the hip-hop mayor. Not our mayor, the hip-hop mayor. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then here's classic Julia Childs talking about the way you peel a tomato. And then we have our tomato flavoring. And this is much the best if you use fresh tomatoes. And as you'll remember, we've done this before, but I'll do it again. Take your whole tomato and drop it into boiling water for exactly 10 seconds. And then when you take it out, that's just what I've done to this, you take the stem end out and the peel just comes off very easily. 
Now, what grossed my wife out is she had already put the lobster into the boiling water, and that was it for my wife. That's it. My wife's coming up with the animal welfare hour, 11 to 12, the most listened to, most called in, uh, that has created the most interest of all the many hours I do at WABC, where the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. When she saw that, that was it. She crossed Julia Childs right off, off her list. Although I had to explain to her, she's half in the bag. When she used to do that program, she'd be drinking half the bottle of white wine before she even started. Now, she says tomato. I say tomato. In New Jersey, tomato, a.k.a. tomato, is a fruit. In New York, across the Hudson, a.k.a. New York, tomato, tomato is a vegetable. So I want to know, first, the proper pronunciation. Is it tomato, as Julia Child says, or as I say, tomato? Is it uh, a fruit, like everybody in New Jersey claims it is, or a vegetable, like we in New York claim it is? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then here's classic Julia Childs. She has completed, completed drinking the bottle of white wine. So she's really, I mean, totally cold cock. And she always burnt her food. We're going to have what I think is one of the great desserts of all time, a souffle Grand Marnier. That's an orange souffle flavored with Grand Marnier orange liqueur. So I'm just going to put a little, little drops in there. And this is a good old white sauce base with egg yolks. Perfectly beaten egg whites, and in they go. Some people pour the base into the egg whites, but I like to pour the egg whites over the base. And the folding is the most important, important part of the souffle because you want to be sure that the egg whites get incorporated into the base. That's beautifully folded. Now into the souffle dish, which has been buttered and sugared. I'm not going to fill it too full, just about the top. And in it goes to the oven. It's a 400-degree oven, and I'm going to start it and let it watch it for about 20 minutes. I think that souffle ought to be done. Oh, it is done. It's perfect. It's just perfect. Look at that. Souffle Grand Marnier Morrison. That's just exactly what he ordered. Now it's burnt. She had no idea on that PBS special, The French Chef. Featuring half in the bag, Julia Chow. She took that, what does she call that? Bouillon, souffle. It was burnt. She, her eyes were like, they were going round and round in her head. She was swerving from side to side. But Eric Adams, who would much prefer to be a chef like Gordon Ramsay or Bobby Flay or Emeril Lagasse, because of Joe Biden's inflation and the fact that if you go to the supermarket or grocery store, you know, the prices have skyrocketed. He wants to let all of you know that for $3, you can get a bag of lentils and serve a family of four for three straight days. Listen to him. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. I want to see that. So a $3 bag of lentils is going to serve a family of four for a couple of days. What do they have? Lentils for breakfast, lentils for lunch, lentils for dinner. <laughs> And you're going to get 
Nine servings out of a $3 bag of lentils. Now, he said this at a press conference. You know, when he was talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the prices are skyrocketing before Christmas. Let's get a $3 bag of lentils. Now, you would have thought the press corps, although they're so intimidated because most of them are make whitey whiteys and, you know, he'll yell at them. You don't know what it's like to walk in the skin of a black man. I used to walk around with a hefty trash bag with my clothes. Any minute, my mother would say we've been evicted. Bull. We survived for three straight days, three squares a day, with a $3 bag of lentils. I would like to see him do that. Can somebody in the media call him out? I'd like to see if you can make three meals. Three meals for one day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What are we having this morning, Mom? Lentils. What are we having this afternoon? Lentils. What are we having tonight? Lentils. Wow, yummy, yummy, yummy. Now a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. A family of four for a couple of days. And they let them get away with that. It's like, excuse me, you know, like Horshack. Ooh, 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 Mr. Mayor, ooh, ooh. Could you actually demonstrate that for us? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard said in the white press corps, Gene. We don't want to be called racist, so let's, we know it can't be done. We know he's making this this crap up, but we're not going to say anything because we don't want to be called a racist right before Christmas. Again, I've asked the question. Can we go back to uh, Julia Childs with her tomato, her tomato peeling? Because in my house it was always, yo, tomato. But with Julia Child, you know, she had her nose up in the air, elite. You know, Park Avenue, Julia Childs. Not Park Avenue in the Bronx or Park Avenue in Brooklyn. Listen to Julia Childs talk about peeling, as she calls it, a tomato. And then we have our tomato flavoring. And this is much the best if you use fresh tomatoes. As you'll remember, we've done this before, but I'll do it again. Take your whole tomato and drop it into boiling water for exactly 10 seconds. And then when you take it out, that's just what I've done to this, you take the stem end out, and the peel just comes off very easily. Meantime, the lobster from... um she had it in her hands before that. She had already put in the boiling water. The lobster went, uh, uh. Here is our friend, the lobster. He's going to star in Omar à l'Américain, one of the most famous French lobsters today on The French Chef. She executed the lobster in boiling water. For the night of the seven fishes. And again, if you happen to be Orthodox, Jewish, or Muslim, you cannot have the trafe. You cannot have the oysters. You cannot have the calamari. You cannot have the clams. You cannot have the mussels. You cannot have the lobster. But we can give you the trout, right? The mackerel. Yeah. The white fish, you know, the filter, filter fish. But none of the rest, right? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Can I... Please, for people who are impoverished out there and down on their luck, Con Edison has turned your electricity off because you haven't been able to make your payments. But your lights, your Christmas lights, oh, no, keep the Christmas lights on. I'd rather not have electricity in my house here in Diker Heights. We got to keep the tradition alive. 
We got to have bigger, better, more bulbs, more volume of a Christmas tree, a Christmas display, a Christmas lighting than anybody else in the neighborhood. So, Connison, turn off the electricity in my house. We'll all get frostbite, but we can't let the neighbors outdo us here in Tyker Heights. Or out here in the South Shore of Staten Island. Anyway, can I hear uh, Eric Adams, the way he is giving advice to poor and impoverished families who are down on their luck? You know, just a $3 bag of lentils, man, can keep you going for 72 hours. Can anybody explain this for me, please? No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentils only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. You know what that reminds me of? The billionaire, Ron Perlman, you know, Revlon, the perfume queen that he was. He had a billion dollars. He's having a contentious divorce with Patricia Duff. Oh, she had her nose in the air. But she was a Gentile and he was a, and still is a Jew. So they are going in family court and Ron Perlman, one of the richest men at that time alive, brags on the witness stand that he could feed his daughter when he had custody of her. A dollar for each meal. Maybe uh, Eric Adams was the chef, right? A dollar for breakfast, a dollar for lunch, a dollar for dinner. Welcome to What's Cooking NYC. This is uh, the home of Gracie Mansion, right in my kitchen. I'm going to learn vegan stuffing. We have an amazing chef, and we're going to get stuffing done. He's never there at Gracie Mansion. So Ron Perlman was so proud of that. When the reporters asked him, are you proud of that? You're a billionaire. A dollar a meal feed. That's right. She got to learn the hard way. So at the time, I was doing the morning show, WABC, with Ron Kuby. And we went outside of his place of business, and we got him dented cans from the nearby AMP, Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. Because, you know, the dented cans, they'd sell you for the cheap. And we said, hey, Ron, this is our... This is our gift to you. To make, maybe you could feed around 49 cents a meal. So what the hell was that? I was sitting down for a lunch with uh, Howard Lauber, who was on our board of directors, one of the wealthiest men around. You know, Howard Lauber, uh, actually Donald Trump wrote in his book, he said, you know, when I had that really nasty divorce, what was that, Ivanka, the first one, the first wife, you know, Ivana. Uh, the judge put me on an allowance. I nearly went Chapter 11, and Howard Lauber gave me money to hold me over. He's my very dear friend. So I'm sitting there with Howard Lauber, and we're trying to figure out who do we want to honor that year, the Guardian Angel dinner. And who walks in? Ron Perlman. And he's dropping the F-bomb on me like there's no tomorrow. I wanted to punch his schnoz right down his throat. Yeah, what are you sitting with that guy for? I said, you're the guy who bragged that you fed your daughter a dollar a meal. You're the guy who bragged about that. Yeah, no, no answers after that. I guess it's because I stood up. I was no longer sitting down, and I guess he realized he was no match for Curtis Lee, a billion dollars or whatever. Anyway, our number's 1-800-848-9222. Let's first go to Deidre in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here. As the hawk is talking out there, it's cold, Deidre. Baby, it's cold 
cold outside. So uh, it is definitely called a tomato. And the reason why it's a fruit is because it is comes from a flower. And it has seeds that goes into a flower. But when you grow other things, they're plants. Let me ask you a question, Deidre. Did you ever order fruit cocktail when you were growing up? Yes, but no, they didn't add the tomato in there. I know, but okay, the all right, no, 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 wait, wait. The can said right. The can, dole can, the dole can, right? Or if you couldn't afford it, you had the generic, uh, you know, white label can, fruit cocktail. cocktail. Never ever saw a piece of tomato in fruit cocktail. I I couldn't even answer that question why. Maybe it didn't mix well with the rest of the fruits. Could it be, DJ, that you're from New Jersey? And yes. Jersey, unfortunately, has been a dollar short and a day late on a lot of things. <laughs> well, you're right, because we always come right after New York. New York passes something, Jersey or, right up the butt. Or could it be the Garden State? A lot of people don't realize this. I think that's your number one cash crop. Not marijuana. I think it's tomatoes. Yes, it is. See? Yes, it is. That's why. That's why. Nothing like, a, nothing like a Jersey tomato. Oh, my God. From the garden, it's great. Oh, that's right. Big, fat, and juicy. There's no doubt about it. But it's not a fruit. But you see, they, they want to bamboozle everybody. So, oh, it's the, the fruit of New Jersey. And if you're half in the bag, you're Governor Murphy. You could tell him anything, and he'd believe it because he's always half in the bag. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now this one dedicated to the girl with the angel face and the devil heart. They don't say I'm off your check and the most new car players come to the location. I put my own. You this. This little girl, her name is Maxine. Her beauty's like a bunch of rose. If I ever tell you about Maxine, your owner say I don't know what I know, but murder she wrote. Murder she wrote. Murder she wrote. Murder she wrote. You see Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was away for three days. On an impromptu uh, vacation that he never let anybody know about except for his staff. Utilizing what Michael Bloomberg did for so many years. The eight years he was mayor and then the four years he stole Mr. Term Limits. I hate that guy. He would fly to Bermuda on the weekends and he would tell he would tell the, uh, the reporters, it's none of your business where I am. Well, wait a second. You wanted to be mayor. You know, it's important that uh, people know where their mayor is. And if you're not around, who did you leave in charge? None of your business. And then remember that blizzard when he was over in Bermuda and he left his schmuck in charge, the former mayor of Indianapolis, a guy named Goldschmidt, who was supposed to be in the city, but went down to Georgetown outside of Washington where he had a house. And it was Michigan. But he's not alone. Ted Cruz did that in the middle of the freeze at Texas. Remember when he went with his family to Cancun? And he said, I didn't want to I didn't want to leave my family there alone. Oh, you. They, 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 they feel like they're entitled. Do as I say, but not as I do. I mean, we had a weather advisory that an Arctic bomb was going to hit our area. I got it. Almost wiped Buffalo off the map in western New York. 
Not a fire truck can move in all the streets of Buffalo and the surrounding areas. They are all under snowdrift. Imagine if they have a fire there, God forbid. And where's Eric Adams? Oh, he's in Jamaica. Who ratted him out? Sal Albanese. Good job, Sal. But why did you take the coat of Omerita? Once you let the cat out of the bag, will my wife forgive me for saying that in the next hour, the animal welfare hour? Once you let the cat out of the bag, why did you take the coat of Omerita? You knew where he was. Jamaica, Montego Bay, with Cardi B and the rappers, because now he thinks he's the hip-hop mayor. And then he, 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 he comes back, right, and he, he's at... Uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, of course, for the Midnight Mass. Wink, wink to Cardinal O'Connor. Yeah, you got some more money because it's costing Catholic charities a lot of money. Bring those illegals in. Yeah, yeah, more sucker tax dollars. And they asked, they asked where were you? None of your B.I.B. business. Doing a Michael Bloomberg. Remember? Shamu! El Jefe! Chris Christie! Remember he was on the tarmac at Newark International Airport with his wife, Patty, who looked like olive oil, and his four kids, and they planned a vacation in Disney World. And then all of a sudden, his wife said, you're getting on the plane. Yeah, but, but Pat, it's a blizzard coming. No, you're getting on the plane. Uh, we're going to have a problem. He, you see, he's all big and bad and tough, right? But he's a Maytag to his olive oil wife, Pat. He went to Disney World. Jersey was snowed in. The only way they could get him back a week later is he flew to, get this, Allentown International Airport in Pennsylvania. I never knew it was an international airport. Landed there, and then they had to have snow plows ahead of them as they plowed on the interstate through Easton, waved at runway uh, Ken there. You know, always gets lost going over the bridge, over the river to Phillipsburg, and then on the rest of the way to Trenton. What is wrong with these people? If they don't want to be leaders, a leader is a leader in time of crisis, not when everything's normal. And what would have been wrong with Eric Adams saying, and by the way, the next two days, I'm taking a vacation and I'm leaving my deputy mayor, whoever he chose to be in charge. No biggie. Right. No, we know who's in charge. Instead of this, where's the mayor? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. We know, but we're not going to tell you. God, we're not going to tell you. Like, excuse me, do we pay all of your salaries? Is this an international secret? Is he behind the war lines, you know, near the border between the Ukraine and Russia, you know, doing a CIA work? Of course not. He was in, he was in Jamaica, the lime in the coconut. With Cardi B and the hip-hop monsters, because now he calls himself the hip-hop mayor. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh, Sherry calling from New York. You're trying to be heard here on WABC. And the hawk is talking out there, Sherry. It's cold. Yes, Sherry. Hello? Yes, Sherry. Oh, it's Shelly. Oh, Shelly. I apologize profusely, Shelly. That's okay. Curtis, I'm so glad to hear you tonight. I looked for you last night, but I'm glad you're back. Hold on, hold on a sec. So last night when you tuned in and you heard it wasn't me, what was your reaction? Well, I heard this, the Christmas stuff and I turned my iPad right off. See that? All day long people have been saying that, Sherry, and yet we got this guy, Chris Libertini, 
who swore to me, you know, uh, my whole life is dedicated to radio. People are going to want to hear the Christmas special. I said, no, they're not. They're going to want to hear me. They can just click on their Amazon and hear all the Christmas songs they want to, but we're and by the way, I, and by the way, I might suggest that those Amazon Christmas songs were better than the ones that Chris Libertini chose. I bet you. I yeah. bet you they were. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix him this week. Don't worry about it. But what about this tomato, tomato thing? Oh, I say, um, well, I always thought tomato was a vegetable, but then I had heard that because it grows on a vine, it's a fruit. But I still refer to it as a vegetable. Good, because when you, let's say, you, where in New York do you live, uh, Shelley? I live in Binghamton. Okay, you go to the local diner there and imagine you say, okay, could I have a fruit cocktail? Do you see a piece of tomato in there? No. Of course, yet you go to Jersey, which has more diners per square mile than anywhere in the United States. And when you order fruit cocktail, whether it's... Um, whether it's down in Camden County or Hudson County, and you say, could I have a fruit cocktail? There's never any tomato in it. So why do people in New Jersey call it a fruit? I don't know. but I, I have no idea. But I, I just remember hearing that whatever grows on a vine is a vegetable. You're right. You're 1,000% right, right. Shelley. 1,000% right. But no, in Jersey, because it's their cash crop. No, Mad Blaze, it's not marijuana. That's not their cash crop. In Kentucky, that's their cash crop. That's why Rand Paul smokes reefer and the senior senator, Mitch McConnell, drinks the Kentucky bourbon. Cash crop in Kentucky is no longer tobacco. It's reefer. Cash crop in New Jersey is, I guess what... Um, I guess what Julia Childs would call a tomato. Tomato. Let's go to Isabel, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here as the hawk is talking outside. It's cold. Hi, Curtis. I hate to disagree with you, but uh, um, vegetables grow under the ground, and a tomato grows above the ground, so it's a fruit. They don't put it in fruit cocktail because it's not sweet. Now, hold on a second. Jersey, I will give Jersey credit. When you when you bite into a Jersey tomato, it's sweet. Um, it is, Isabel. Yeah, but it's it, but it is a fruit because it it grows above the ground. So now, Isabel, uh, I go back to the question of when you would buy a can of fruit cocktail, <laughs> and let's buy two cases of fruit cocktail just to be sure. Open it up, pour it out. You will not find not a bit of tomato in that fruit cocktail. <laughs> but maybe because it's not sweet enough to be in a fruit cocktail. No, they put syrup in there. You know that. They they, they sugar it up. <laughs> everything they sugar up uh, in production. They sugar <laughs> Everything has sugar in it that what that's didn't true. come with the sugar. <laughs> yeah, it, that's it, true. It, but you're, no, but you're it, in New York, Isabel. In uh-huh. New York, to <laughs> us, it's a vegetable. How about you go there? No. <laughs> Isabel, how how close is yeah. the nearest uh, pizzeria to you? Uh, like half a block away. Okay. So you go to the pizzeria where the guy pretends to be an Italian, but he's really either from Albania or Montenegro. And you say to him, hey, that tomato sauce that you're putting on the pie, 
Is that a fruit or is that a vegetable? What do you think he's going to tell you, Isabel? <laughs> Whatever he says, he better say fruit because that's what it is. Because, see, also, a tomato has seeds inside. That also makes their fruit. Oh, so a tomato has seeds inside. It's like, right. a, like a kiwi, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's got, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> well, now, let me ask you this. Hold on a second. Okay. What about a cucumber? It has seeds inside. And I think it grows above the ground. Mm, I don't know about that. Hold on a yeah, second. I think so. <laughs> oh, hold on. Would you would you stake your life on it, Isabel? If, oh, if, wow. If your life depended <laughs> on it. So. If all of a sudden they had you and me up against a the wall, a the firing seat. squad, right? And they said, uh, cigar, cigarette, tipperello. <laughs> Would you like to uh, cover your eyes? And they say, Curtis, uh, let's say cucumber. I, I would say, oh, that definitely is underground. And you would say it's above ground, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it would grow above the ground. Knowing that you might get 12 bullets fired at you by that firing squad. Always in a firing squad, one guy does not have a bullet loaded in the chamber. So you get hit by 11 bullets. Anyway, yeah. I'm I'm go, I'm going to I'm going to leave you on that thought cuz I notice you've hesitated, Isabel. Let's go to Brad in Ohio, the Buckeye State, the heartland of America. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brad. This is Frank, not Brad. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. We got uh, some uh Phone screening. Uh, he is. Here, here, here. I he's think got. There could be a little stupid caller there. No problem. Nah, he's got uh, wax Curtis, in his uh, ear. I, I love listening to you, Curtis. I listen to you through iHeart. And I usually listen to WLW, but I prefer to listen to you. I grew up on Exit 3 down in uh, Camden County, which is a great county to be from. And I will tell you, you talk about uh, the mayor's uh, meal. I tell you, I grew up for five days a week on cabbage and bow ties. 35 cents a day, cabbage and bow ties. Now, now hold on a second. Cabbage and what else? Bow ties. Bow tie pasta. Oh, bow tie pasta. Okay, Ronzoni, Sonoboni. There, there. Did you ever have the pastina, the little the little pastina? No, no, just the big stuff. Just uh, my mother used to make that. There's uh, four kids, uh, you know, yeah, dad well, died well, when I was well, real young. Let, and we let, were just, let me ask you. Mom raised us as best we could. Let me ask you a question, Brad. What was your last name? His name is Frank, by the way. My last name is Yensel, Y-E-N-S-E-L. Of course, you ate, you ate Muller's. You ate Muller's, right? You ate the German stuff, Muller's, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you didn't eat the Ranzoni Sonoboni bow ties? No. Why, you didn't like it? You were against the Italians? No, I loved it. I loved it. I, I used to eat the hell out of it. I really did. Excuse I got to tell you, Brad, I brought home Muller's one time to my mother, Francesca, because there was no Ranzoni Sonoboni, right? And she said, what's this? I said, well, look, it says bow ties here, right? And she goes, that's Ger- that's for Germans. We're Italians. You got to get the Ranzoni. <laughs> so you go to another store, bring this back, get the money back, and I don't care if it takes you all day walking around. You bring me Ranzoni Sonoboni. It's so good. See that, Brad? You see how the divine... Oh, the, think the, about that. The divine, yeah, no, the Germans had mullers. Man, they had mullers with everything. The Italians had Ranzoni Sonoboni. In fact, I hear that Benito Mussolini 
actually had Ronzoni Sonobloni. All of a sudden, Brad went quiet because he knew the next response was going to, and what did Adolf Hitler have? <clears throat> Mullers. See, I had to get real serious on that. Let's go to, uh, hmm. Let's go to, uh, <laughs> let's go to Lou in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here. Because the hawk is talking out there, Lou. It's cold. It's brutal. Yes, this is a true Ron Perlman story. I have a friend whose wife worked for him when he ran, uh, was it Avon or Almay? Avon, I believe. I thought it was Revlon, uh, wasn't pretty, it? Revlon, I'm sorry, Revlon. Uh, she was pretty high up there on the food chain. And uh, he'd have a party in his $100 million mansion in the Hamptons every summer. And every guest had to bring a dish of food. True story. Wow, what a what a cheapskate! And my friend told me he was the rudest, foul mouthed person he ever met. And we were truck drivers at the time, so we were not known for clean language. But he said he every other word out of his mouth was f. Well, when he came in on me while I was sitting down with Howard Lober trying to figure out who was going to be, uh, you know, the recipient of the Guardian Angel Honor of the Year. He dropped so many F-bombs on me. And this is in front of a she-she, you know, upscale crowd. He didn't care. He don't care. That's his normal conversational uh, way he speaks. Well, can you imagine? It doesn't matter if you are. Can you imagine, Lou, he's in family court. He's having this very contentious divorce uh, over uh, child care. With his wife, the Gentile, Patricia Duff. And he gets up there and he says, I am so proud. I feed my daughter on a dollar a meal, $3 a day. And they said, you sure, Ron? And his, naturally, his attorney, I object. I object. And Ron said, to him, no, I pay you a lot of money. You don't object. I'm proud of that. Can you imagine that? that? Shows you, yeah, that just shows you what his true nature is. You know, at first I thought you I thought you meant he gave her a dollar to eat her meal, not that he spent a dollar no, per meal. He spent, now it makes even more sense. Yeah, a dollar, because, you know, you could get a lot more for the dollar if you make it yourself, and you know he never made anything. Oh, no, 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 except for the dishes that he had people bring to his parties. Well, if only he knew that he could have fed his daughter 12 meals for a $3 bag of lentils. If only he had known Eric Adams at the time. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. Lou? Oh, I am so sick of that man. But a $3 bag of lentils, you think you could... Eek out serving 12 meals to a family of four each meal? Yeah, if you get five lentils each. (laughs) (laughs) And notice, Lou, he said this at a press conference, and none of the McWhitey-Whitey, you know, the the journalists are all intimidated because, you know, he'll he'll play the black card on them. He'll call them racist. And, oh, my God, how can I go home for Christmas? My parents will think I'm a racist. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, he is pimp-slapped them around. 
Hey, where, where's our guys? Right, our, our crackerjack uh, WABC newscaster, uh, Frankie Diaz. You know, he's our Jimmy Olsen. He's trying to earn his stripes. And Noam Layden, he's our news director. They didn't even go to the press conference. I think they should be forced to go to the press conference, whatever it is. Let's say it's a, a, a pipe that burst on 34th Street, and ask the mayor as he has his galoshes on and his chicken of the sea outfit, hey, is it true you can actually uh, you can actually feed a family of four 12 meals on a $3 bag of lentils? Don't you think they should ask that, Lou? <laughs> yeah, it's not based in reality, that's for sure. Oh, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm I'm force this issue, Lou. I'm gonna, they, these guys got to do their job. Yeah, he's got to be called out more often on his outlandish things that he says. I mean, think no of it. Lou, he was in Jamaica for three days, and City Hall wouldn't even tell us where he was. Big deal. I, I'm going on vacation for three days. I'm leaving my deputy mayor in charge, right? No, that's not even the point. Like you said, if you're a leader and you had a planned vacation, like you say, you got this bomb cyclone coming, you cancel it. Your first job, your first responsibility is the people of New York City. Let me tell you something, Lou. There is a suave compose mayor down in Miami. His name is Suarez. He thinks he's going to be the first Latino president of the United States. He's a Republican yes, over, over my yeah. dead body. You know, him and Eric, they fight with one another as to who's going to promote the Bitcoin bandits more, him or Suarez. And he came up here for a meeting that I sat in on. And there was the hurricane going on down in Florida, Ida, the hurricane. Yep. And, like, people were, like, thinking to their head, what the hell are you doing here? There's a hurricane down there. Well, you know, and then I asked them two questions. I said, do you have a drug problem in Miami? No drug problem. No drug problem. Oh, no. And then I said, do you have a fentanyl problem in Miami? No, we don't have a fentanyl problem. And this guy is going to be president of the United States. He was up here getting wine-dined and pocket-lined by Bitcoin bandits while the hurricane was clobbering Florida. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Hey, hey, hey. Last night of Hanukkah. Since uh, I see all these fair weather friends, black hats, and Orthodox Jews, they supported Eric Adams instead of me, who's always been there for him. Eric Adams was there for Farrakhan in the 90s. But ask him this question. Ask him. Eric, you gonna make us a meal of lentils for Passover? Bad uh, Blaze, can I hear him discuss how many meals a Jewish or a Gentile family could get out of a three dollar bag of lentils? No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you three dollars a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. Let's face it. The Hasidics, the Orthodox, you got big families, right? It's a big food bill. But you got to tell this schmuck, this putz, not on Passover, can't have lentils. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know. Me, the righteous Gentile, I know. Hey, 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 hey. 
So here it is. Jews are getting attacked all over New York City. Anti-Semitism attacks are skyrocketing. Your synagogues, your shuls are getting desecrated. Your menorahs are getting attacked. Uh, It's as bad as it's ever been. And uh, you got a friend, Derek Adams, right? What a friend this guy is. He's going to give you advice on how to feed a family of four on a $3 bag of lentils. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, You can make lentil soup. Uh, That bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. Oh, my God. You think maybe he could just retire and become a chef? I mean, you know, he can compete with Gordon Ramsay, Bobby Fly, Flay, Fly, Flu, whatever. Guy Fieri, my favorite, Emerald Lagazzi, who I thought was from Brooklyn down in New Orleans when I met him with the Guardian Angels. He had a Brooklyn accent, right? And then I was reminded, he didn't tell me, but somebody else said, you know, they used the Irish from Brooklyn to dig the levees years ago. And they brought that Brooklyn accent with them. And it's sort of conflated. Oh, yeah. With the accents that really just like came around in what was a French city. In fact, remember, there's General Jackson who eventually became president. The uh, Battle for New Orleans, which was after the War of 1812, was already over. After the War of 1812, they still went to battle each other. Stonewall, Jackson. No, no, not Stonewall. That's co- We're talking about Confederates in the 1 to 5 o'clock hour. They're stripping any remnants of them from West Point. Now, why am I talking about the 1 to 5 o'clock hour? Because Frank Morano has decided to give up that real estate and do the morning show instead for Sid Rosenberg. And, man, I'm telling you, I, my advice, man, you don't ever give up your real estate. In talk radio, you don't ever give up your real estate of anything. You do both. You do the 1 to 5, and then you do the 6 to 10. But, Frank, once again, would you tell him to stop already, uh, Matt Blaze? He's like a real yenta here. He goes, please, if possible, mention that I, Frank Morano, will be subbing for Sid tomorrow morning. Yeah, we got it already. He's like a real male yenta, a nudge. Over the course of human history. Human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow. Hey, Matt Blaze, you're playing a promo for the Beatles Hour that was Saturday from 4 to 5 as Rob Astorino was away. And so we're promoting the Beatles Hour that already played. Another reason for me to strangle this guy, Chris Libertini. He loads it in so that it'll play on Sunday. It's like, really? Uh, excuse me, Nancy. I, I, I just got to deal with some details here. You know, they so they so wanted to break out early. You know, they wanted to take off Thursday and Friday. Oh, we got to prepare for Christmas. 
God. Oh, that's, yeah, that's... I mean, how many... Earlier today, when we did the Sliwa family extravaganza that we now do every holiday for everyone who's at home without family or friends or shut in, we do a Christmas, we do a New Year's, we do an Easter, we do a Thanksgiving. How many people were, like, just calling up livid that I was not on uh, last oh, night? Yeah, ton- tons of people, and... Uh, that sentiment was expressed in all the social media as well. Like everyone was so upset, and I think they are planning to to stage a, a protest and try to find out where 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 Chris lives. Yeah, yeah, Chris. And the funniest was the woman calling from Clifton uh, Tony, who said that she came back from midnight mass, turned it on, thought I'd be on, and she heard what was like the worst, and she. <laughs> She put on the U log burning on Channel Eleven WPIX, and she said, "I had it." That yeah, was- and actually, it was funny too because she said she wanted to tune in. So after the midnight mass, so and she wanted to hear the play by play, and I had to like I'm pausing for a second. I don't know if she meant the the play by play of the mass or just the day itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he better not show his face around here. The humiliation, but he doesn't care. He grew up with FM. They're used to that. But anyway, let's get back on track because you had so many calls about animal issues earlier today between three and five, cats and dogs and other animals. And I told them all, remember, you call up the Animal Welfare Hour. This is it, the most listened to, most called in of the many segments that I do. And let's first start off because uh, we had a wonderful uh, dinner tonight at the Empire uh, Empire Steakhouse, although no meat for you, no meat for me. Uh, yes. we, we just don't eat meat. Uh, I'm no longer eating meat uh, based on uh, I'm following your guidance on that. But I said when you go home, yeah. you got to give the stocking stuffer tours <laughs> that was delivered to our home by Delta Rescue, uh, who sponsors this hour, uh, Leo Grillo, who is the owner-operator of this uh, private no-kill shelter. I mean, hundreds of animals he cares for. And uh, there was a stocking stuffed for each of our 18 rescue cats, for the patriarch Apollo, the matriarch Athena, and even uh, our AARP cat Tuna. Did you give them their toys? Yeah, I did. So I opened up uh, two of the stockings for them. And, like, uh, uh, there's a number of the toys where you can sort of interact with the cats and you're, like, um, rolling things. I mean, they love those. And then it makes it easy for me because I have a a whole bunch of them. I could just go one after the other. And, I mean, you've seen them before, how they go after this stuff. They're just so excited. Like, they're just waiting for you to start playing. And it's great because it tires them out. They all get involved in it. And then after you're done playing, they go to sleep and they got their exercise. And this cold grip, this Arctic uh, cyclone bomb has hit from coast to coast, north to south. And Leo Grillo and Delta Rescue, they do great work in rescuing animals. uh, And they never kill an animal. They let them live out the rest of their life. So please, especially this holiday season, make uh, a donation, whatever you can do, to DeltaRescue.org. On behalf of uh, Curtis and Nancy, to DeltaRescue.org. So it was truly a great Christmas uh, in the uh, the lair of our yes. cat colony. Yes. Hmm. 
And uh, I noticed the little kitties, they were at the window, like in the wee hours of the morning. It appeared looking for Santa Claus, whereas the older cats, they, they've been through that routine before. Yeah, so this was their their first Christmas. So uh, they got to enjoy, well, they got to enjoy all the, the stocking stuffers. Um, we you know we don't have the, a tree just because that would be disastrous with them. But we got the lights up, so... Yeah, I think I think they were on to the fact that that the presents were coming last night. So <laughs> we even waited to give it to them. So yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it is interesting because just like children, the little kitties. So there's uh, Loki, there's Thor, there's Callie, and there's Peanut. Yeah, they're all from the same litter. Correct. Loki was the runt. So they were all kitties. They were like little kids waiting for their first Christmas, the first uh, time that Santa would come. The older cats, they were just maxing and relaxing, sitting behind saying, eh, there's no Santa, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying to just dispel the myth. Now, I notice you've spent a lot of time in Central Park of late in this Arctic cyclone blast. Can you first give us an update because um, – our very dear friend, Bob Holden, city councilman uh, from Middle Village, uh, Maspeth, and Glendale, a big listener to uh, WABC, put out the alert that they had horses out with the carriages as the the weather had plummeted below zero. I know you went out there. What did you determine? Well, so as of yesterday, they weren't out. So I think, you know, again, what had happened was the previous day, they were out, and it was below the temperature. Uh, the The minimum temperature is 18 degrees. So, I mean, and unfortunately, that doesn't take doesn't take into account the wind chill. So, I mean, but the actual temperature on you know, in the thermometer has to be 18 degrees, and it was below that. So it was it was feeling below zero, and they still had them out. So they were, you know, again, people were aggressive. Um, in calling attention to that. And, you know, right away you have to call the authorities. It's all, you know, you have to go through all these steps. But, uh, you know, because it was, um, you know, brought to their attention, now they know people are watching them. Then the next day, yesterday, they didn't have them out. So, I mean, that's, you know, part of the reason why you have to really keep on top of this all the time uh, because, you know, sometimes you just have to force them to do the right thing. You know, there is a regulation in place. They clearly knew that, that the temperature was going to be as low as it was, and they were willing to take the risk because they, they figured they weren't going to get cold out, but they did. Well, that was good work by Bob Holden, Councilman Bob Holden, other horse lovers out there who were all throughout Central Park, including yourself. But the previous 48 hours, you were out uh, repairing the housing for the feral cats in Sunset Park. Uh, could you describe what you were doing for people before this Arctic cyclone blast came in and also where they can see pictures, so it gives them an idea maybe what they can do for their outdoor uh, pets or animals who live uh, amongst them. Yeah, so um, in terms of uh, pictures, like uh, on the social media, Curtis Sliwa, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Curtis Sliwa, you can see, it, you know, the, the areas, uh, some of the cats, and then also the shelters uh, that we placed out. So, you know, some of it is... Um, putting out uh, new shelters, you know, just because um, there are increased numbers or some places don't have any shelters at all. But um, the condition of the shelters, 
over time, uh, you know, it, it gets bad. And when they have a lot of animals that go in it, you know, periodically you have to um, swap them out and put something new in. So, you know, it's like refurbishing existing ones if possible or replacing with new ones. But all these shelters, uh, you know, serve the purpose of uh, keeping the animals warm, uh, out of the wind, uh, out of anything wet, because that's a big problem. Uh, hypothermia, if they get wet, temperatures so cold that they can freeze. You know, there's no way for them to dry off. That's a problem. Uh, it, you know, they're relying on the temperature to get above freezing so that they'll naturally dry off. And without that ability, they're going to retain the water. And then that's where, you know, it becomes very important for them to to get and, you know, to get warm. And this way they can dry off. So, you know, anything you can do to provide warmth, uh, warm shelter to them, even if you're just letting them into uh, an opening to an area that is warm, like a garage, a basement, uh, you know, an area where they can come in because they will. I mean, they'll seek it out. Um, and then also be aware of the fact that they'll seek out heat sources that are dangerous to them, like um, underneath car hoods, because when people turn the cars off, uh, there's heat that's retained underneath the hood. So they'll be drawn to that in this extreme cold, then they might fall asleep. And the next day, if you start the car, they could be injured. So, you know, knock on the hood to scare any animals away that may have um, gotten in there. That's true. And then uh, also, uh, how do you keep these housing units that you prepare from blowing away? Because, I mean, they were winds. They were like 50, 60 mile per hour winds. Yeah. I mean, again, so some of it is is definitely placement. So. Uh, depending upon where you are, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, yeah, that's the goal. You have to be able to uh, situate it in such a way that it's not going to blow away. Um, you know, you could have it sort of wedged between areas. Um, you know, if you have uh, large rocks outside, um, whether it's like concrete, boulders, things like that, those are great for keeping them in place. Um, you know, if you, yeah, because if you try to um, maybe weigh them down internally, you'll probably take away some of the internal space. So, it's best to sort of uh, just position them in ways where they can't move much. And, you know, obviously just being wary of where it is. If you're on the, the closer you are to the water, the shore, I mean, there's a lot of places that are, that are windier. It becomes more difficult. But, yep. Now, speaking of uh, Central Park, and by the way, if you'd like to weigh in our Animal Welfare Hour, please do so at 1-800-848-9222, especially I know many of you were calling earlier in the day between 3 and 5, but we had to deal with a wide variety of subjects, not just issues involving dogs and cats. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. But uh, I'll never forget the time you had me in the wee hours of the morning in Central Park as you were tracking coyotes in the (laughs) snow, coyote tracks. And now I see they're saying coyotes in New York City are here to stay First off, how would you know what a coyote is, what a coyote track is, let's say versus a dog or a wolf uh, track? And why are they saying that coyotes are going to be in New York City to stay from now on? Yeah, I'm not sure how how easy it would be to to tell the difference by just a, a paw print. Uh, maybe, you know, so again, uh, maybe just do sighting if you know that's an area that uh, is frequented by them. And then think about like maybe with dogs or something. Um, you know, usually they're in certain areas that are uh, dog parks or leashed. So if you see them in, you know, in the middle of the woods area, you know, chances are it, that's more likely. Um, but part of the reason why, uh, you know, they've, they've made their way here and, you know, they're here to stay is because, you know, like a lot of animals, they're really just adapting to the environment. 
and they're going through, um, you know, the uh, the diets of what the coyotes have within their system and what they're eating. And they are eating everything that says in New York City based, as you can imagine, like Khalil food cart, cart food that's in their stomachs. <laughs> so they are smart enough already to get every type of food in New York City. And as long as there's a shortage of food, they can get it here. And clearly they can. The garbage is everywhere. So that's why they are here to stay. Now, I uh, notice uh, side by side with that story is that animals in general are running out of places to live. And how do we deal with that both now and in the future as more and more land is taken from them? It's, well, um, how, to, how to deal with it, I mean, therein lies the problem, right? So there, uh, currently there's um, a summit going on. It's uh, with, you know, hundreds of countries. It's, it's all about um, maintaining biodiversity and you know, um, through different means and trying to get uh, all these countries to agree to something, sign on board with it. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they're not very successful. All of these things just require compliance. So, you know, all of the targets they set out for themselves previously when they've had these meetings, um, they've never, you know, they failed to meet up to all of them. So that's the problem. Um, there's not enough incentive for them to uh, maintain. But so the issue is that the human population has doubled since 1970. So ultimately, the the argument is there's too much need, uh, human need. And so we're going to continue to encroach on the environment of the animals. I mean, to the point where now it's like one third of the environment that used to exist, exists for them. So these animals are, you know, slowly disappearing and they're dying out. And because of the types of other changes going on, like the climate changes, for instance, right, the, the drastic weather weather patterns, when that happens throughout, uh, you know, from a historical perspective, it requires large um, populations of animals so that they can ride the tide of these extreme weather patterns. The problem is the um, populations are so extremely low now that changes in weather could, I mean, at this point, knock out millions of species of animals. So that's the problem with having so few of each of these animals. And I mean, there's so much testing that's being done on animals, but the ones that are disappearing every day, and you see how much information they hold that would benefit humankind, it's just this incredible loss of so much potential. And again, very short-sighted things. I mean, these decisions being made to not protect the environment are, are in many instances, being made by a small amount of people. I think um, what you really need to have is that this has to become, like most things, uh, you know, people who have the ability to make these decisions or have the ability to do something simple like buy up lands and actually protect the environment. That would be the best thing to do at this point, like from a private perspective. I don't think you want to rely on government to do this anymore because they're just falling so short. I think you have to have individuals who really prioritize this. Well, it's amazing. We now are approximately at the 8 billion person mark globally, 8 billion people. Um, And then when countries level off with their population or decrease – Immediately, they they pull the emergency cord. No, we need more population, more population. I'm saying, wait a second. If we don't have enough resource and we're running out of space, why would we be encouraging more population when, in fact, 
we need to level off at the population that we have because we don't have enough resource. It, they, yeah, it, it's, and, it's sort of like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you you don't want more people because we don't have enough resource. Yet when all of a sudden the population levels off or it goes, it takes a downward trend. Oh, an emergency. We need more population. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, and again, there's clearly no shortage of people. And anything, I mean, look, look at all these um, things that are, you know, in tune with advancing society. Oh, um, you need less direct worker input. I mean, we're kind of approaching a point where theoretically you need less people. You don't need as many people because technology is really superseding that. So why are we so so interested in increasing the amount of people? Yeah, with robots, with artificial intelligence, we're (laughs) moving in that direction. Exactly. So these politicians are full of bull feathers. They say one thing (laughs) out of one side of them, too many people depleting the resources. And then the next thing they say, not enough people. We got to bring more people in. That's nonsense. But let's get back on track and deal with the animal issues. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, this is uh, something I haven't really even given much thought to, but apparently snake complaints in New York City have skyrocketed. Snakes? Yeah, so <laughs> apparently um, there are uh, 311 calls on snake complaints have increased 69% in the last year. And it seems like the the complaint really just – and again, I have no idea what is prompting these complaints. I could see maybe if you're like an internal uh, – like, like you, you're renting a room in a place. I'm not sure why you would call – on a neighbor who had a snake, um, it doesn't really strike, but unless there's some problems. So apparently there's some snakes you can't own in New York City, some that you can. So maybe, you know, it, 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 like the ones that you can't have, like uh, vipers, cobras, and pythons. So, you know, those are really big. So maybe, you know, people are concerned when they see those. But it's, it's apparently it's not related just to snakes. So there's been a huge increase in, call, in animal complaints this past year. And actually, the, the list of them is really funny. Uh, some of the top ones. So uh, roosters, they had the most complaints. And then there was farm animal complaints. There were nine monkey complaints, uh, ferret complaints, and then 101 other unspecified animals. Oh, no, don't mention ferrets. <laughs> uh, uh, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani went crazy when he would host the program that was very good asked the mayor. He legitimately, this ferret guy would come on and they would argue. I mean, argue with some of the best talk radio ever when he was mayor. But the fact of snakes. Now, I wonder if they quantify them as outdoor snakes, you know, snakes in the grass, snakes that live outdoors or uh, people like, for instance, when I'm at street fairs, you notice how those guys who have those big snakes yeah, around their yeah. neck, they'll come up to me and put the snake around my neck. Uh, yeah. And other people will run away because they're terrified of snakes. So there must be something that is propelling that. Yeah, I mean, and again, just to have such a, a drastic increase in the amount. Now, uh, people who are the proponents of uh, snake ownership, uh, you know, they, they say, oh, it's a cost effective and. You know, they don't really eat that much. Like once a week you feed them and you don't really need a lot of space for them. So I don't really know the ideal circumstances for a snake. But I, I have to imagine that if you're getting such an increase in complaints, there got there has to be something very bad going on with these snakes. Not normal. I tell you, 
If you got a snake out there, you're not going to have any rats, mice, or rodents, that's for sure. But speaking of uh, rats, mice, and rodents, apparently what they call the naked mole rats can teach us about treating cancer. What do they mean by that? You know what? This, these are so interesting, and I'm, de- I'm definitely going to be researching them a lot more. But now apparently, so they fall into like the rodent category. And they're the, but they're the most incredible types of creatures imaginable. They defy aging, and they're immune to cancer. Um, they have found so many incredible health benefits. So now, for instance, um, a lot of research that's done is done on mice now, but these are rodents as well, and in many ways they're similar to us. They have so much more to teach us, is what it seems like, because they have the ability to. Um, stay alive for over a hundred years, you know, they just like, and, and the people who are studying them as well. So this is like the university of Cambridge. This is a very, uh, you know, so it's a much more sophisticated way of, you know, researching any living creature because they're talking about, you know, obviously the, the lifespan of them are so long, but they're researching them, you know, over like, you know, a decade at this point, they're monitoring them to see what they do. Right. So as opposed to, you know, um, putting things into them, they're just seeing what do they do and how do they act and what is in their body? Like how can we learn from them? So this is great. I mean, there's so much to be gained at this point from these, these um, mole rats. I had no idea that they had you know, so much to offer us. Well, I'm going to have to refer this to Dr. Mikolos, who is a regular guest on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John, Matt, uh, John Katsimatidis. Dr. Mikolos is always trying to educate us as to new new ways that um, people doing experiments or investigating or in clinics are trying to come up with uh, answers, medical answers to how to deal with cancer especially. So I'm going to send this to him and maybe, maybe um, I can get that information and we can share it with our audience next week. Now, speak- and just one more thing too, right? They, they also take part in sustainable farming. So when they take food, like potatoes, they bring it into the, the, the areas they live, and after they're done eating it, they replant it so it grows again. I mean, this is how advanced they are. Wow. The, the mole rat does. Yes, yes. Na- why do they call it a naked mole rat? It, well, it's hairless, and because they live um, completely you know, underground in burrows, and that's one of the reasons they're saying, again, right, that accounts for one of the reasons that could explain why they're so healthy because they're underground all the time, so they're not subject to the pollution in the air, right? Everything above ground that is so detrimental to us, they're avoiding by living underground. And they're not going to get skin cancer from exposure to uh, to the sun. Absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. Now, using uh, our senior citizen cat, Tuna, who is our AARP cat, you have said, based on your observing how she moves around uh, from place to place, that you believe that she is showing the first wave of dementia or Alzheimer's, correct? Correct. And could you explain to our audience uh, how old is Tuna and why you believe that? Uh, well, again, so it's uh, not 100% um, certain um, because we don't know her exact age, but she's clearly uh between 12, 15, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, she came to us, you know, not very um, in good health condition, but, uh, she, you know, she, and she struggles physically, but she's okay. But what's been happening in the past, um, you know, 
bit of time is you can tell she just kind of forgets um, where her spots are. She has a couple of spots she normally goes to and she confuses one area for the other. And, you know, so like that's the thing. She's very she's forgetful of where something is that she goes to all the time. So now it appears that dolphins, which have so many human characteristics, also are beginning to show hallmarks of Alzheimer's? Yeah, so there um, there recently was a study done where um, uh, 22 dolphins that had, you know, washed on shore um, in the California area, and they uh, tested them, and majority of them were older dolphins, and they were able to um, observe that in their brain they had the uh, same types of lesions that people with Alzheimer's had. And that was explaining, you know, why it was that some of these dolphins seem to get off course and sort of lose um, their direction and, you know, wind up, um, you know, getting separated from their pack. And they actually made reference to a curious term I had never heard before, but uh, it's called, uh, let's see, sick leader theory, which is where, um, you know, because the hierarchy of these groups is that the eldest, you know, will lead the way. And it's, it's sort of explaining why entire groups of these dolphins might find themselves stranded on shore because they're following a leader into shallow water or a place where they lose their way that didn't make sense for them to go because they're so, um, you know, conditioned to follow the leader. Hmm. So very similar to adults, adult uh, males and females, non-binary. I'm not going to go through all the 72 designations now, but uh, very similar to what adults are going through. Yeah, uh, correct. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, and again, it's just the, but just to, to find out like now, like obviously the next step would be to figure out, okay, is there ways to sort of assist them? But, you know, again, there's a lot of, and obviously dolphins are very intelligent, but I, I guess that may, maybe that, that that's very interesting that it shows the level of dedication that these groups of, of dolphins have, because if they know what's safe and what's not safe, then they must know they're being led into an area that's not good, and they're still willing to go. Well, apparently, I, I don't know how truthful this is, uh, out of all the species, dolphins uh, can be bisexual. Um, I, hmm. I don't know. Oh, wait, that is true. That is true. So is true. out of all the animal species, you know, obviously – we study dolphins all the time. Dolphins, people pay massive amounts of money to go down to Mexico and other places and swim with the dolphins. Dolphins perform for humans at like sea worlds and sea parks and stuff. So yes, we're, we're best able to observe them. Yes. And apparently study after study has indicated that as a species, many of them turn out to be bisexual, just like humans. Um, yes. Uh, so I get, I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, I mean, most of, most of the things that have to do with, um, reproduction. So like, for instance, with the, the mole rats, it's like only one of the females needs to, to breed and everyone else just is a worker. Like, I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why 
these things get get expressed differently, and it just depends upon the needs of the species at the moment. When we come back, we'll go to the phone calls. Our number is one 800 to this exclusive the WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. To the phones we go. Let's go to Teresa, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Teresa. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Nancy. Um, nice to hear you both on the on the air. Um, about when I was in my 20s, uh, and I'm going to be 65, I was involved with many, many animal rights groups like PETA, Mobilization for Animals, um, I can't even remember. Uh, And um, my big thing was uh, going against the um, uh, vivisection, et cetera, the LD50 test. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. Horrible, god-awful stuff. And I got to the point where I just uh, broke down from all the literature that was coming to my home and, you know, just what they were doing. So I couldn't handle it anymore. And I do love animals, but Nancy, you were talking about, and I'm just wondering what your view is on and how you feel about, um, the, you know, uh, experimentation that goes on these days. And where would you draw the line if there are any that you think that shouldn't be? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I would say obviously the goal is working towards, you know, not doing that whatsoever. And I think part of it is, you know, the the options that are available need to really be um, pr- promoted and pushed. So first of all, I think the current research that's going on uh, – the biggest, besides the the companies that are doing it medical purposes, you have universities who are given grants to do research. There's a lot of lazy research going on. I think there has to be standards. It's not just because you can do it. If you, it's already been done before, you don't need to keep repeating these tests. So there's a lot of duplicative work that's just needless. Um, I know in veterinarian fields, they have, um, you know, there are actual body uh, bodies of animals. Like, you know, they have this... Um, you know, like these recreations of the bodies of the animals. So this way you don't have to do things. So there's a lot of um, methods that are being done where you can get the same knowledge and same experience without having to, you know, conduct these tests. And again, these tests are just so ridiculously cruel. I mean, an, an animal that can feel pain, I, I, I really, I'm, I, don't, I don't understand how you can justify doing these things. And I don't know, I, I personally don't see what, what is really being gained much from it. I think that, and, and also this is like another thing, but people, they get to, uh, when there's new drugs that come out, oh, to address issues, if you want to be part of a group that takes these things to see if they're effective, you could have a lot more human participation in things where people literally can benefit from it because you're able to get an actual reading of a person as opposed to an animal, which is not even the same thing. So I think they should open it up more because maybe more people could benefit. If this research is so beneficial, maybe more people could be benefiting as it goes. Well, you know, this uh, Elon Musk is getting a lot of blowback now because he's talking about his experiments 
with monkeys and chimpanzees putting chips in their brain uh, that he actually responded, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll put a chip in my brain. Uh, you'll see that it's it's safe and secure for the chimpanzees and monkeys, and I'm waiting for him to put the chips in his brain. You know this, and they're they're so they're so similar to us. The fact that they can't agree to this and they can be subject to it and be born into this that uh, that can't be part of an advanced society. Something's very wrong with with us if we can agree that this is okay to do to animals. Oh, no doubt. Oh, that! But if he's more than willing to put the chips in his brain, I'd say, Elon, you want to take AM radios, you're taking AM radios out of your electric cars. Other manufacturers are following suit. Hyundai, Toyota, General Motors, Chrysler, Ford, the European makers and models. So you want to destroy this thing of ours? Go ahead. Put the chips in your head. Let's see how you function. Anyway, let's go to Ann in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Ann. Hi, Curtis. I spoke to you earlier about uh, that disaster yesterday on the radio station, but now I want to talk to Nancy for a minute. Nancy, um, I think I saw something on Curtis's website, a a, a picture of the fact that there are homeless people with pets and they can't get into a shelter because the shelter can take the pets. I don't know if this is going to help or not, but it made me remember something. I know that, for example... Women and sometimes men that are dealing with domestic violence, they don't leave because they they don't want to leave the dog, you know, or their pet. And I know that I I don't know if this will help or not or if you know any shelters, but if there's a shelter that would be willing to take in a domestic, you know, abuse victim, the American Kennel Club will give that shelter a grant so that the grant would help, you know, obviously you're going to bring a dog into a shelter or a cat or a pet, you know, within reason, I'm not talking an elephant. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, but that's a great um, piece of information. That's a great thing for for, um, these shelters to be made aware of. And and I think, uh, Anne, uh, the photo you're referring to, uh, Nancy, you could uh, point out to people where they can see that photo was, uh, you and I, we were coming from the lighting of the menorah, which was uh, done uh, on Tuesday night, second night of Hanukkah, by uh, uh, John Katsimatidis. He was up in the bucket for the third year in a row with Shmuley, uh, not Botek, uh, Butman uh, from Chabad, and with Sid Rosenberg, who was like uh, fearful of heights. Uh, after they lit uh, f- the candle for the second night of Hanukkah, uh, then we went down to take the train back to the uh, to the house. We took the R train, and right on the platform, uh, right before you reached the train, there was this uh, middle-aged white guy with a dog. And then I sat down and I had a long conversation with him. And uh, the reason he was down in the subways with the dog is uh, shelters uh, would not take an animal with him. He decided... He's not giving up to dogs, so he'd live in the subway. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and with, in terms of the shelters as well, yeah, that is the truth. That the I think there are now, and uh, you know, I, I don't know the names of them, but I definitely would look into it and just post them so this way the information is available. But there are only a few shelters um, that will take women's shelters that will take um, women with pets, and that point is completely true. 
because you have people who will stay in abusive situations because they can't leave with their pet and they know exactly what's going to happen to their pet when they leave. And again, you would think these ideas would have really come to the forefront already that when you have someone who's dealing with this difficult point in their life and they're going to have to be in a very transitional period that having anything that can give them security and a sense of stability, you would want to encourage and to deprive them of what would be considered like their children. It's just such a horrible idea. So, you know, these shelters really need to come around and that needs to be part and parcel of it. Yeah. And he would not, uh, he was out there in the cold in the subway rather than give up the animal. Uh, in order to go and shelter. And where can people see that picture that Ann was referring to? Yeah, so that um, on uh, Curtis Lima Twitter, um, uh, you know, uh, you'll see you're in the subway and you're sort of sitting on the, the ground next to him and you see the dog in the cover. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a picture that just breaks your heart. You look at it and it breaks your heart. Let's go to Ron, who's calling from Flatbush. Your turn to be heard here. The hawk is talking out there. It's cold as Ron is talking. <laughs> From Flatbush. Oh, yeah. Yes, Ron. Yeah, so the question is about raccoons. Um, and how do you deal with them and get, get rid of them in a friendly way when they when you find them, you know, in your backyard or in your front yard? Because I, I view them as possibly dangerous, and I'm, I get scared if I see them. So some people would throw things at them or shine lights or, or, or trap them, and, and then they get hurt. But what's the safest and most friendly way to get rid of them? That hmm, that's that's a great question. Um, let's see. I'm not sure. What, well, I, I would say the first thing is this, right? Um, if they're going to be, uh, you know, drawn to any spot, it usually would be a food source. So if you know, maybe if you have anything that's outside in a garbage can, if there's um, some way that maybe you have like a, you get like a, a good sealant on it, or like a one that doesn't have any smell, maybe the the um, the idea would be it would move on because there's no reason for it to stop there. Um, that to, I would think maybe that could help because um, maybe there's some chance that like there could be a little hole in the garbage can and it's like it's smelling and you have the best food on the block. Like who knows? <laughs> like maybe there's some reason it's run to your property. I don't know. Maybe Curtis has some suggestions. Well, I tell you what, uh, I had battle with raccoons uh, <laughs> when I was a teenager. I got myself. I was pumping gas at Rocky Shell Station. I got myself a ten-speed English racer, a Raleigh. And so a guy, a bunch of guys who had ten-speed uh, racers, say, "Hey, let's take a run up to uh, Bear Mountain, and then we come back the next day." I said, "Oh, I'm down for that." We get up to Bear Mountain, I'm nearly like passed out because, man, that was like going straight up. That's not far from West Point, which I'll be talking about in the wee hours in the morning, how they're swapping out the Confederate uh, uh, figures there. But I remember who was there, was, was so tired. We went to sleep, put up a tent, had a backpack with some food in it, like bologna uh, and some bread, woke up in the morning. The backpack had been broken into, and there were raccoons a few feet away eating all the food. I mean, they they ravaged all the food. And so we had no food. Yeah, so that means you didn't seal it up properly. What the hell? The last thing I'm expecting in Bear Mountain is raccoons to be stealing our food. Well, you know, it's funny, too. When you go there as well, it's like you're supposed to hang it from the trees. But, again, this is really... With most of these animals, like, 
they they are you know even though they're accustomed to people now because they see them a lot uh they don't really want to be close to people but if they're smelling something that is luring them there like a good food source they're going to be there so again right it, it might not be that you need to have um totally sealed garbage cans all the time but if something all of a sudden starts showing up that could explain why they're showing up well remember we have come across now in a number of areas in Brooklyn and Queens towards the East River We've come across possums with feral cats, with raccoons, with rats habitating together. They have the public housing project in Red Hook now, which is where Bush Street meets Clinton Street. Uh, that is um, it's like colonies of possums, colonies of raccoons, and colonies of rats in the public housing project. So they figured out a way to survive in this uh, this urban sphere of ours. Yeah, and and you know what? And I, I I see the raccoons in the park a lot. They go through the garbage cans at nighttime. Um, I don't see them as much around you know the apartment buildings, but I mean, again, they in many ways they do remind me of the the feral cats. And I don't know that there's any reason to be concerned about them from a health perspective, unless it's like any animal, if you see an animal that looks sick, but I don't think they carry anything additional. I think that's a lot of a stigma. So even one of the the reasons that, you know, and and part of the reason that that gets perpetuated, it's like that every animal in New York has to have a rabies shot. That's by law. Well, there's only like two cases of rabies in the past decade. So why is this a law? But now you're putting that in people's heads like, oh my gosh, rabid, raccoon, rabid, danger. I mean, there's there's a reason why people are, are fearful of them when maybe they shouldn't be. Let's go to uh, Larry, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Larry. Yeah, hi. Um, I heard a story today over the radio about uh, this cat, Minka, that escaped at a rest stop. And several months later, it was reunited with with the family. Now, it got me thinking about uh, chips. Uh, I'm not so sure they're a good idea because what happens if a dog or a cat is being abused, you know, and they got minds of their own, and they want to escape from an abusive owner. That, that means they got no chance, basically, if they got a chip in them, they got no chance of finding a new home, you know, they, they're going to be returned automatically. I mean, at least give, you know, I mean, they may not even want them back, but they're going to be returned anyway. I mean, at least give the, the cat or dog a chance if it's being abused. What, what do you think about that? You know, yeah, it's funny. I've definitely had that thought myself as well, that, you know, what if they just legit ran away from a household because they didn't want to be in that household anymore? So, yeah, that that is a little conflicting. But, I mean, I would say in that situation, you would just more gauge it. So I think, um, you know, there, there are clear cases of there are people who relinquish animals to the shelters. They have clear marks of abuse and they don't ask some questions. If an animal is retrieved and they have any signs of anything on them, then maybe there should be uh, actually more of a investigation prior to releasing the animal. If it didn't show any signs of abuse and then maybe it's just a like a philosophical question, like, does this animal want to live with them? I guess that, yeah, we can't really solve that one. But the abuse, but any signs of abuse, yeah, we can definitely follow that one. I know they put in uh, chips in a lot of birds now and to follow them in their migratory patterns from uh, being up in the north as far as Canada and then flying south for the winter. 
And know, some we, of these things they do to monitor the animals, the you know the the things they put on them, like the the collars. Just so they, they're so huge and cumbersome. Oh, <laughs> no, they are. I don't even know how they sleep. I remember we were driving in the South Bronx in the Guardian Angel Animal uh, Protection uh, Vehicle, and I saw out of the corner of my eye as we were ready to go over the Triborough Bridge, the uh, Canada Goose, Canadian oh, okay. Geese, whatever they call that was right near the Fresh Direct uh, uh, warehouse, yeah. right in the tip of the South Bronx before you hit the Bronx River. And this uh, this Canada goose had uh, a rope around its neck. You can see somebody was trying to get this Canada goose in, and obviously the goose had escaped. And it was not as cold as it is now, but it was really it was cold. cold. It was cold. And it was you, there was Anthony and me, and I went out there, I got a box. I came <laughs> over to the the Canada Goose, and there was some Puerto Rican guys across the street. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, don't worry about it, right? Because there might have been these guys that were trying to grab the goose and have a, a goose uh, dinner. Uh, and then Anthony helped me. We got it in the box. And we took it just a block away from where we live. What, what is the name of that organization that takes care of uh, damaged birds? Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Bird Wildlife Rescues, Upper West Side. Um, yeah, that was, and, and what, what's great about them is they're open, um, you know, for o- almost twenty four seven, basically for drop off of um, any sort of uh, avian animals that you find that may be injured. And they do take in every animal, and it's not a every bird, rather. And it's not that they, you know, charge you anything. They'll just take them into care for them to the best of their ability. Yeah, the great thing is the the bird, the Canada goose, was really damaged. We were able to visit the bird on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, the bird was named Curtis. That's right, named Curtis after me. <laughs> you could actually see it go through its rehab, which was in a tank full of water, so that it could get use of its uh, legs again. And then eventually they released it into the Prospect Park Lake. Yeah, and, and it had like little uh, uh, goose friends as it was rehabilitating. So that was nice. It had company. And then they would walk all, all around the, the place, all, all the the birds. They had like swans and I mean, everyone was just getting along in this one in this one area. Yeah, no, it's a great spot. It's right on Columbus uh, between yeah, it's Wild uh, Bird Fund. It's called right, eighty seventh and eighty eighth, and they really yeah. do great work. Really, do. the only time we have problems with them is obviously they don't like feral cats because feral cats are natural predators of birds. So there's like a clash between the bird lovers and the feral cat lovers. But anyway, let's go, if we can, uh, back to the phones to Pamela calling from New Jersey. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Pamela. Oh, hi. And, uh, yeah, we all missed you last night. Um, you now, know, now, I, now, hold on a second, Pamela. So you were <laughs> expecting to hear me between the hours of 12 midnight and 6 in the morning, right? Yeah, I enjoyed the Christmas music and everything, but then there's a point, and then, you know, you're up because it's cold and you're checking on your boiler and everything. So I turned you on, and it's like, what the heck? What's going on? Oh, you, you'll be surprised, Pamela. There have been hundreds of complaints. This guy, Chris Libertini, is going to regret, as our imaging director here at WABC, bumping me for the six hours 
to just play Christmas music that you could have heard anywhere else, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, and and it was kind of like the annoying Christmas music where you're trying to go to sleep in between getting up and checking on everything, and it's like like really like weird Christmas music, yeah. like alien it, it, music well, and everything. Well, because he's FM. He's not an AM guy. He grew up listening to FM. He just doesn't get it. He's like a dollar short and a day late, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling him next year, no way. I'm on from 12 to 6 in the morning. I don't care. You're not playing that oldie moldy music. That's for sure, Pam. Yeah, you want to hear, like, conversation and something to relax you because this cold has got everybody on edge. And um, I just wanted to remind people that possums, don't be afraid of them to have them in your yard. They're actually very good for your yard. If you have a garden, they don't like fresh vegetables and fruit. They like old fruit. So they won't hurt your garden. And they're also carnivores. They eat rats and mice. Oh, wow. Now, question, Pam, since you're in New Jersey, uh, is your tomato, a.k.a. tomato, a fruit or a vegetable? Well, actually, it's considered a fruit because it's got vitamin C in it. That's that's (laughs) because you're in New Jersey. Jerseyites think it's a fruit. We on the New York side of the Hudson feel it's a vegetable. So that war continues, Pamela. (laughs) I think it's both. Technically, (laughs) I think think it's both. Ah, you would make a great politician. Solomon-like way, Pam has determined half the tomato, a.k.a. tomato, is a fruit and the other half is a vegetable. It's a vegetable. All you got to do, go to a pizzeria. There are plenty of them in New Jersey. Plenty of pizzerias. Let's just smush it and make it catch up and just dispel this whole argument. Right, but no, no. Go to a pizzeria. They have some really good pizza in New Jersey, like in New York. And you go in the pizzeria. They pretend to be Italians because now they're all Albanians and from Montenegro who make the pizza. And you say, is that tomato sauce that you're putting in the middle of the pie there? Is that a fruit or a vegetable? And they do it. Now, you used to make pizzas. How many pizzas a day would you make, Nancy? I mean, a couple hundred. And you were doing that where? Um, It was a place called Sports Plus out in Long Island near Stony Brook. Right. So you were subsidizing your education by doing that. Yes, that's that's what I would call it, subsidizing my education. When you pounded out the dough, twirled it around, Mm -hmm. flipped it around, did the pizzeria thing, and you put... Mm -hmm. You put the sauce in. Was that vegetable or was that fruit? I mean, I have no idea why it would be considered a fruit ever. (laughs) So I'm going to go with vegetable. Well, that's because they're from New Jersey. Anyway, let's go to Tom, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Tom. Yeah, I I work for a camp company in the Riverdale section of the Bronx, and when we parked the cabs at night, we would have raccoons, and we used to feed them. They're nocturnal. They come out only at night, and we we fill up two buckets with apples, pears, nuts, oh, nice over pizza, and they, you know they they would show up like clockwork every <laughs> night. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Tom, I, I guess those same raccoons came all the way up to Bear Mountain and took my food out of my backpack. 
Yeah, yeah, good oh, for you to laugh. I love all I, that food. That's I, great. I woke up with a with a growling belly and then had to take that ten speed Raleigh <laughs> English speed racer and ride it all the way back to Brooklyn. And you still live to tell about it, Curtis. Oh, not only did I live to tell about it. Oh, man, was that miserable to be watching the food that was left all eaten up by the raccoons. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. Nancy, uh, how can people reach you if they need more information? org, or you can email me nancy at guardianangels.org perfect and by the way i'll have a one hour show prep session as dominic carter comes on and then i'm back as frank morano from one to five although frank what a pest keeps saying could you tell everybody that i'm substituting for sid rosenberg in the morning from six to ten what a nudge what a nag Never give up your real estate, Frank. Never give up your show to do another show. I'm telling you, 35 years of experience, do both. 